Hi, this is Dave Dorman, Star Wars artist extraordinaire, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Have fun! Wait a minute, that sounds a little different than last week. What's going on? As soon as I did it, it almost sounded as if I kind of like reined it in a bit. Did it sound all right? It sounded good to me. It just sounded okay. different. Like you're in a different enclosure. This like a location. I'm yeah. in a, well, I'm in a different corner now. But yeah, yeah. it's it's. I, I'm I'm sitting at at the new desk. I am not. This is the first time I've ever sat where I'm sitting and and talking to y'all. So this will be the usual. This will be the new usual location. I just have to make sure that the mic is situated where I need it to be and, and I, I come in because I can't talk in, I can't talk into the tip I can't talk into the top of the mic I have to talk to it at the side on the side according to Vince so I yes. have to make sure that that's that's angled correctly I don't it, have a I don't have a couch arm nearby so if your face is staring right into that red dot then you are uh, addressing the microphone in the proper format actually the red dot is on the other side because I used to have in the old house and everywhere else I've been so far in the new place, the microphone has been on my left. Now it's on my right, so the knobs and the uh, the button is the mute button is facing away from me. But I know exactly what you're saying. It's it's a 180 from where it should be. Yes. Yes. So you're not going to change it. <laughs> no. <right. laughs> well, no, because then I got to unscrew it from the base of the mic stand. Why would I? We have the same mic stand, yeah. You could just kind of like twist it. Just do it. Just twist it. Can we do it right now? Can we do it right now? You don't have to. Can we do it right now? Well, Bop it. Just wait. it. It sounds all... This way we get everything. Go ahead. Why? Move it. Let's hear it grind and shit. There we go. Hey, everybody. This is not... Hey. Hi. This is not Audio 101. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 583. Hi. And, and I'm Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. And I, I'm David A. Price, and I'm fucking with a microphone stand. There you go. And coming at you from the extreme world of the 90s, I am Crow Siege. No. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Vince doesn't know. I don't know. What's this? Uh, there's a meme going around today. I don't know who <laughs> created it, but it's gone viral among the, the geek community. Uh, but also doesn't help that Rob also tweeted it. And shared it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, I don't think you created it, but Rob, Rob no. asked your help with it. It's what's your Rob Liefeld name? And you take the first letter of your first name on one column and your last and your last name on the other column, and it gets your, your Liefeld uh, character name. So I would be Crow Siege. Uh, you, Vince, would be Killstrike. Hey, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and, and I am Night Shard. Night Shard. Night Shard. With an N. Night. Night, night, like night Shard. Too many burritos. Watch out. You'll Night Shard. That shard. happens. Well, Shard. It's not Shards. It could also be, you know. <laughs> no, it's Shard oh, now. The stink that walks in the night. Night Shard. <laughs> wow. But, but you're not. What are you, Crow Siege? Crow Siege, yeah. No, you're not Crow Siege. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Well, that's, well, that's my alter ego. I get it. I get it. 
you don't have to have an alter ego to get your comics for uh, not a whole lot of money. All you need to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time, DCBService.com, where you can get all your books for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Thankfully, the list of specials has been posted. And I just picked three, not so randomly, for your information. And the first, I'm going with Marvel for the first, which is atypical for me. This is called, written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti, with art by Gerardo Sandoval. It's Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History, number one. A six-issue miniseries, cover price $3.99. Uh-uh. What are you taking it home for, Jason? Three cents. I wish, but no, a dollar ninety nine. Oh, that would have been my second guess. Yes, here's here's the rub. The cosmic ghost rider is stuck in the past, so he might as well have some fun with the origins of the Marvel universe, right? After going back in time and trying to kill Thanos as a baby, Frank Castle has sworn off trying to alter history. Very smart. But when he arrives in Earth's past, at the birth of the Fantastic Four, how can he resist jumping in on the fun? Parental advisory. I hope he pinches Susie. Uh, from Dark Horse, it's Invisible Kingdom, number one, written by G. Willow Wilson and illustrated by the great Christian Ward. This looks like an ongoing to me. And uh, the pitch is... Set in a far-flung star system, this new epic sci-fi monthly saga tells the tale of two women, a young religious acolyte and a hard-bitten freighter pilot, who separately uncover a vast conspiracy between the leader of the system's dominant religion and the megacorporation that controls society. Doesn't it seem like there's a lot of conspiracy books coming out recently? Mm -hmm. Doesn't it? Well, anyway, mm -hmm. this is a $3.99 cover price, but you can get it for $1.99. That's 50% off. And last, but surely not least, from Kodensha Comics, it's Gleepnir, Volume 1, which is a mature read reader's title. Cover price is $12.99. Your price is $7.14. It's written and drawn by Sun Takeda. And this thing, I've seen the preview art I did a little bit of investigation. Mr. Takeda can draw the women's. Good Lord. Um, dark, disturbing, sexy, and shameful. This new sci-fi action manga stars a dominating teenage girl searching for a sister who became a monster and a submissive boy with a strange power to turn into a ragged but powerful beast with a zipper down his back and a compartment on the inside just big enough to hold a human body. Mm-hmm. So that's Gleepnir from Kadancha. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped all safe and secure and sound right to your doorstep. Just do it. DCBService.com. Oh, yeah. I had to go into a little because a lot of people haven't heard about a lot of these things. And skip it, Bippy. But they will if they watch our previews videos, which are coming soon. What are we drinking? That's a good question. Well, I don't want to go first, because I always go first. I'll go first, then. I am drinking Seven Moons Red Blend. Hmm. It's that blend stuff. It's good. Yeah, I love the blend. Uh, let's see what it is a blend of, Vince. 
Uh, seven Moons Red Blend celebrates the phases of the moon by combining seven grape varietals into a smooth, fruity, easy-to-drink wine. Uncork a bottle, pour a glass, and find connection in the moonlight. The seven varietals are, you can probably guess them because how many varietals are there really? Syrah, Merlot, Petit Syrah, Zinfandel, Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, and Grenache. I think it would be a neat experiment if there was such, some way to cultivate grapes using the reflected sunlight from the moon. Maybe that, that's what they did for this. That would be cool. I mean, if they were just shunned from the day and just mm-hmm. they sucked in all their light, what was reflected from the moon. Probably not possible, but it'd be a cool experiment. Word up. Yeah. I am drinking the barefoot stuff. Barefoot Cabernet Sauvignon. I still have two more bottles. Okay. So after a long trip to the kitchen and back, what are you drinking, Dap? <laughs> it feel that way, didn't it? Um, this is something. It's Cabernet Sauvignon, and it's called Brownstone. Uh, I bought it because the label reminded me of my new home. And it's uh, apparently Brownstone is a sandstone that was published popular in the 19th century construction. Um it also refers to a building style like the one where my family first lived when they moved to America in 1883. Um, and it is not too bad at all. I, um, it was one of those not super expensive wines. And uh, so I took a gamble and it, uh, it seems to be paying off. But I did want to ask, on, I thought about it on my way back from the kitchen. Is that a new bottle of Seven Moons? Because I know that... Uh, my wife had me bring it to you all. Oh, it must be that one. bottle then. Is it really? Okay, cool. It must That's be. great. Nice. I think. I mean, it could be a new bottle. I don't remember if we drank the original OG bottle. It's a good question. Unless Beth polish it off on you and then just, you know what, replace Entirely it. Entirely so possible. You wouldn't know. I mentioned you she had that Christmas party and like every every person <laughs> that came brought the wine so we've been drinking okay, lots of so, unknown wines lately. Right. So I, I don't know who brought it. Maybe wine, yeah. someone else brought it. Then that's great. Well, it's good stuff. It is either good way. Stuff. You know what? Let's give a shout out to Renee either way. Okay. Beautiful queen Who's, that she is. Who definitely needs it after after this week. It's been there you go. Shout out rush. to Renee. What what? So I know we are what we're planning on discussing tonight, but mm-hmm. I took notes on something else that we were going to discuss tonight. And I know Vince and I were kind of ready to last week, but we were hoping that Jason may have read it. So I don't know hoping. if we're going to talk about is that as well. I sure, just have we a- also have some, some thank yous and we have a big We have a whole bunch. Yes. Well, I just right? wanted to make sure. I just wanted to get my notes ready. But yes, absolutely. Right. We have. Because uh, them stone tablets are hard to lift off the ground. <laughs> it's true. I have one thank you before we go into this. It's a very quick one. Um, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that the ever awesome Tom Kelly always leaves a, a nice case of beer for me at uh, Comics on the Green, and he did it again this year. So uh, I got a big thanks to our brother uh, Tom Kelly. And he inside the card was uh, a, a Batman and Superman themed card, and there's a keychain lenticular. Oh, it, that's hot. It's the Superman symbol. Oh, no, wait. It's the bat symbol. Oh, no, it's the Superman symbol. That is dope. Yeah, so that's cool. Tom's awesome. And I can't wait to see him at C2E2. Yes. Yeah. Nice. That's your only thank you? That's it. Uh, no. No. Why don't, you, why don't you say yours, and then I'll piggyback on it. Well, I have two thank yous. Okay. 
So I'll get to the one that I don't think you guys have because I believe per the letter that this person kindly included with the gift, he had mentioned that he had given you guys a, a token of his esteem some time ago, but he had tr- trouble figuring out what to send to me. So uh, this is from Mr. Christopher Burton. Mm. And he sent me, uh, and man, he nailed it. Talk about, uh, I mean, he definitely picked his spot and he, and he hit a home run. He sent me from IDW Publishing, Nemo. It's uh, an adaptation of uh, the classic 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, written and drawn by Bruno, who is a, uh, well, he's German by descent, but he's a French bon dessinée artist of the last 20, 25 years. This was a story that he published in France back in 1998 through, uh, and I, I apologize to all you French speakers, Trezé Estrand. Um, so 20 years later, it was brought over by IDW and adapted into the English. And it is amazing. It's amazing. I am, not surprisingly, being a fan of the uh, sea life in the whales, a fan of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And this is a... Uh, for the most part, maybe until the end it gets a little creative, but it's for the most part a pretty much a spot-on adaptation of the novel by Jules Verne, and it's uh, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I, I was not familiar with Bruno's work before this. It, he's I was trying to think the best way to describe it in a, in, a, in a succinct way for the listeners to figure it out, but I would say he's uh, kind of evocative of of a, a flatter two-dimensional Mignola. Um with a little bit more expressive cartoony facial features and uh overall the 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 backgrounds and the and the framing sequences are more um like pop arty like blocky but uh but absolutely beautiful beautiful book and i read it in one sitting uh yesterday and it was it was terrific so thank you so much chris uh for those that are looking to pick it up it came out in january of so about a year ago uh, by IDW, so you can find it at all your favorite spots, including in stock trades, I'm sure. Sweet. Sounds great. Yes. Keep going. Now, what Now, what if... Oh, our other thank you. All right, well, I'm going to guess that uh, I, I'm speaking for all of us on this next one, um, which I received a honkin' big box, um, which was preempted. It was We were told to expect it. Yep. From Mr. Andrew Maxwell. Yes. 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 You guys get yours? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. I don't think so. Oh, Dap hasn't gotten his yet. Well, we know he sent it to you because he told us he did. Um, but um, he, the box was chock full of the goodies. It was chock full of the goodies, right, Vince? Yes. It had in it uh, a, an amazing glass, a drinking glass, a snifter, if you will, Ooh. as well as a number of comics that he has been involved with over the years, including The Body Tales of Laszlo Kale. Yep. And... Rum Row, and then a hardcover uh, called Aldous Spark, Meddler in History and Other Unsavory Affairs, mm-hmm. and then some prints, some posters, and a bookmark, and... Pins? Oh, a bunch of badass pins. Yep. Some, uh, yeah, so absolutely loot case, a serious loot case. Yep. I started reading the Aldous Spark already. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's a blind spot. It's like where I didn't even it. Be, it looks like it has a, if memory serves, a 2017 publication date, and I had it just completely went over my head. I've, I've I haven't seen it, and it's great. It's like how did I miss this? 
Per, uh, per Mr. Maxwell, the body tales of Laszlo is a sort of quirky sci-fi romp. He also included with it a Jim Rugg whoop, whoop, variant. He said you could picture Archer, sex criminals, and Fifth Element in tone. Uh, Aldous Spark is sort of a steampunk James Bond type deal. Uh, he's a magician by day and black operative of the Black Moth Society by night. Action adventure in the 1890s. Uh, and the included were secret coded postcards and a cipher with that title. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then uh, last is Rum Row, a prohibition themed aerial crime adventure. Um, he and he says to me he knows that other than Doctor Fang, see, he's up to date listener. Uh, I'm not a big pulp guy, but uh, it's ridiculous. But but our buddy Daniel White designed the hell out of the whiskey glass in the bookmark. Nice. So, yes. There's all kinds of fa- there's all kinds of EOC family love in this uh, package. So thanks so much to you both. That way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. I very much enjoyed what I've read so far. Nice. Yep. Right on. Dap, you got any? I was trying to think about it. I I don't think I do for this week. Uh after Darren's generous Fox last week, yeah, I think. And it, I, I mean, and I'll probably if we finish tonight and I trip over something, I'll I'll apologize profusely next time we're on and and make amends. But as far as I'm as far as I can tell right now, I don't have any thank yous. Okay, cool, nice. Since there was nothing of note that came out on Wednesday, ah. <laughs> hey, wh- why? Jason, uh, you do this. I did. Why though? I just I got my hand out and everything. Why though? I do. because that's how I do. I, I, I know. No, that's not how you do. That's a Jason. That's not how you do. Oh wow, Jason, I'm looking at your Slack list. And, okay, and I don't see Doctor Midnight on there. Yeah, I didn't read it. Oh, dude, right? Didn't get to it. I got consumed by a couple other things that I added to the list. Yeah. I'm crestfallen. Forgot all about it. Samesies. But I want you guys to sing poetically about it. Oh, boy. Well, maybe we could do that. Yeah, I'm sure we can handle that because it's all kinds of awesome. It's um, written by some dude named Matt Wagner. Heard of him. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, illustrated by the always awesome John K. Snyder III, who has worked with Matt Wagner before. Let the record show. Uh, Three-issue prestige mini-series from DC, cover price $5.99, Dap? Uh, most likely. Let's see. Yeah, $5.95, sorry. $5.95. Oh. Um, this preceded the JSA relaunch. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's just, in my estimation, um, whether I'm taking notes or not, it seems to hit... Uh, all the beats for me. And not ironically, a lot of those beats are the very same ones that are hit in the pulp hero stories. You have a very intelligent, self-financed, um, resourceful man who is um, who has a desire for whatever reason to fight crime. He has a number of assistants that help him in this task like the Shadow and Doc Savage, they have their posse. And um, he has the, the a wonderful array of gadgets that pop up. Um, this just strikes all the right chords with me. And it's 
beautifully, beautifully illustrated. Now, obviously, Snyder took a little um, tip from Mr. Sienkiewicz because it's in that zone, um, but it's not as distorted and expressionistic as Sienkiewicz tends to get. This is not Electra Lives Again, but the visuals take much more chances than your standard four-color DC comic of this period. Uh, most of the panels are painted. Um, when he doesn't paint them, there's a reason why he'll go off on a on a, a graphic tangent. It's just it's amazing, right, Dap? It absolutely is amazing, and and Sienkiewicz is definitely um, present in in this art, as is um, Bisley. Uh, I, Shit, I, yeah. I yeah, saw yeah. some things that remind me of of. of Ken Stacy. Um, yep. There's yep. there's a little bit of Corbin, especially with Yo 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 Mama showing up because I, I thought about the Cage miniseries from a bunch of years ago. Um, but uh-huh. I see a little bit of Corbin, but I also as it, it's weird. It's not it's not as in your face as the other artists we've just mentioned. But I some of it did remind me of Teddy Christensen. Yes, I see that. I'll add one. I don't know whether this was the case um, because I haven't read a lot of um, data on this book from the period, maybe in Amazing Heroes or, or CBG or wherever, the fan magazines, but I swear Wagner did the layouts, the roughs, oh, it, because it looks like a Matt Wagner book. It, especially when you think about devil by the deed and yes. how that was very art deco with the layout and and yeah. there's like some slight um like there, there'll be some extra no- not even noodling because it all serves a purpose whether it's his lab or or the city but it, it some of it reminds me of like the nagel images you'd see in in playboy or every goddamn salon in the 90s and it's it's um there's just there's yeah i it's it's a beautiful, beautiful. Even if there were like no, if you could just thumb through this book and just be so taken by the images on the page, yeah. it, it is absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, and um, you know, slap me for being a fool. I had not read this prior to our last con trip. I bought all three issues right out of the quarter bin. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous. It's it's yeah. No, I did not read it when it was coming out as well. Um, Mostly because it, it was right at that time where I wasn't um, able to run out and buy everything, but the uh, it's it's definitely of its time with with some of the technology or some of the um, some of the lingo. Um, yeah, it's not exactly a time. I mean, the the story itself, the whole idea of it, and and the origin story, and and the characters in it. Um, could be considered timeless but but as far as the setting and the clothing and and the environment it's it definitely feels like it was made when it was made yeah and like the pulp uh characters the villains are outlandish their schemes are ridiculous um they have a whole bunch of influence on the 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 uh part of the world in which they preside i mean it's just again checking off numbers on the list and i'm going to tell jason the rub real quick so maybe it'll it'll jog him to 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 read this thing speak Uh, on it yeah uh there's a woman in a city of portsmouth 
And this woman's name is Camilla Monroe. What's so special about Camilla? Well, she has a condition called xenoderma pigmentosa. And you probably know what that is already, but for those who don't, she's allergic to sunlight. So much so that the mere touch of sunlight on her skin burns her. Okay? So, if you're allergic to the sun, what do you do? You stay out of the sun. You're nocturnal. You do shit at night. You stay home a lot. Um, this condition would lend one, you know, to maybe be a writer. And that's what Camilla wants to be. She wants to be a mystery writer. Um, she's very inquisitive, you know. I mean, if we were talking the tarot deck, Camilla would be the fool. She throws herself into into dangerous situations without thinking. She's, you know, haphazard, but she's inquisitive. She She's just hungry for information. Um, and she does make a trip out into the night on one occasion because there is a drug on the street called A39, which is an experimental steroid, which is derived from another connection to the bigger DC universe. Dap, what's the, the substance the A39 is derived from? Oh, it's... Is it related to the Golden Age? Nope. No. It's derived from venom. Is it? See, that I was... Yeah. I didn't think it would be that obvious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so she hits the streets, and she's, you know, dealing with the the, the hoods, the, the local ne'er-do-wells, and someone else meets her there to, for the pickup. And this guy's like, he seems to know things about her. Um, uh, this guy's name is is uh, Peter Cross. Peter, P-I-O-T-R. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, and so he he's buying the drug too, as as well as she, and um, he's like, you know, I'm a doctor. I can I can help you with your your uh, situation. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But what Camilla doesn't know is Peter Cross is working with the feds, and he wanted to grab a street sample of this drug, and they they need to find out like where this stuff is coming from, what's it derived from, blah blah blah. So he's on the side of good. Meanwhile, she goes back to her apartment to uh to take the drug and who's there but peter cross and that's when he he lets it fly you know like i can help you out i'm a doctor you don't need to take that you know dangerous shit Let, let's let's try and work this out but um like i said peter cross has a posse and uh he has a hulking um african-american man his name's nightlight and uh, it just turns out that Peter is a very talented surgeon, or he was at one time because the FDA took away his license to practice uh, over some kind of insurance questions. But um, he saved his legs. So the guy's like eternally indebted to Cross. You got a young kid named Icicle, and he's uh, he was a med student, and he his, he lost his funding. So now he's, he's uh, shacked up with... Uh, Peter Cross. There's a street urchin named Lemon. And Jason will get a kick out of this. This dude was a junk bond trader. And he gave bad investment advice to the wrong client. And they cut off a finger for every $20,000 that was lost in the deal. So Lemon only has thumbs. And he's this this Carmen Crew type ratty, you know, Spe- bespeckled street urchin that hears the right things at the right time and sends the information back to to Peter Cross. There's a guy named Mouthpiece who was a one-time attorney 
and uh, his wife and, and ch- child died of a uh, blood transfusion. They contracted AIDS and died. Uh, this is before the time when there was a uh, uh, not a, a cure for AIDS, but um, and this this mouthpiece guy provides Cross with legal advice. So he's got like people everywhere, you know. But the 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 villains in this thing, and this is where it ties into the big picture DC universe, um, is the terrible trio. Earth, water, and air. You got um, these industrialists. The one's named Fisk. He wears a fox mask. And Shackley is a shark water. And Volper is a vulture. And these guys are absolutely bonkers. They, they, they concoct this ridiculous scheme to make the area of Portsmouth unlivable so they can make a killing buying up the land for nothing. Because what they plan to do is blow up an oil rig so the water around Portsmouth gets just riddled with crude oil and nobody wants to live there, right? So the the land values all plummet and they kidnap a friend of Peter Cross, uh, Professor Searle, who has devised this formula to make crude oil, uh, turn crude oil into like this jello-like substance that can be easily cleaned up. It's insane. They want the the formula to do that, so when the oil spills, everybody leaves, and then they clean it up, and then the the land values are go back to being what they were, and just, they'll sell it for like a shit ton of money. It's it's nuts, but this is their thing. But the whole way Peter Cross becomes Doctor Midnight is he's dosed. He goes into a bar. He's on a lead or something. He's dosed with the A thirty nine. And he gets into an accident, and the bright lights, he's blind, effectively, but not, because he can see at night. And that's where the whole thing comes in, and he makes the gadgets, and it's just its just an incredible miniseries. It's its a little convoluted, yes, I will admit, right, Dap? It's, it's a little involved. It's, it's a little involved. Things may happen uh, a little too conveniently, but... It's still just to get you from point A to B, and and it does that successfully. And I think I, what what's nice about it is that this story is pretty much told from Marlowe's point of view. Everything it, it, when 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 Cross is doing something, or as Doctor Midnight is doing something, you know, she she makes sure you're Wagner's letting you know that she's saying that you know. Well, later I found out that Peter took care of it by doing this and and so it's kind of told in that but everything it's it's a beautiful marriage of words and pictures matt is not telling you everything that snyder just drew in the panel and 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 snyder is letting letting what some of the characters have to say move the story along so i think that they worked really well together and they have in the past so this isn't anything new but i i think that um and as I'm reading it, I'm like, I, I didn't like, I, because you're, you, you just, you're in it right from the beginning and, and, and you're dropped in this world and everything is, you don't need, if you don't know anything about any other character in the DC universe, it's like this, we're all naked and afraid at the beginning of this series because there's, you don't know what's going on. You don't know. Everything is basically whatever Marla was telling you. And I 
I wasn't sure if if he because he is walking around at night and and he's he's making his rounds. I, I wasn't sure if he already was Doctor Midnight, and and because it's a three issue miniseries and and each issue is like forty eight pages, it's you you're getting so much in each issue, and by the time the first issue ends, it's like okay, so we. It, it was basically a 48 page origin story. And then if you get the end, the end of the first issue and now he has a newer purpose. And yeah, yeah. once, once he becomes Dr. Midnight and, and, and he realizes who, who he has to stop. And also because he has to save his friend, uh, it's not just stopping the terrible trio. It's, it's also rescuing people. So, um, it's, it's a lot more personal than just making sure that, you know, the right, the good guys win. And there are some things, like I said, are just a little too convenient when, when, when he, um, when he gets to the compound or when he, he, um, he and Marlowe are caught it. It's, but again, these are things that would have had, and, and of course calling in, uh, the armed forces, it's just, there were some things where it's, but, but you just roll with it because of the way everything else was set up beforehand and, and how it just continues to roll through, um, it's written, it all makes sense in the grand yeah, scheme of things. Yeah, it's written like a serial, like the old um, matinee serials, where there's a cliffhanger at the end, and you just don't, you don't question the fact that he's got, you know, the the army or the the military on speed dial, which right, it's it just works, right? But you said Marlowe, and that's I called her Monroe. Marlowe is the a better name because she wants to be a mystery writer, and I right, yes, you screwed up, but no, it's. Um, it's ridiculous. It's fun. The 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 terrible trio. There's a paranormal aspect to it because they're making these dark offerings to the the gods of earth, sea, and air, and it's just. There is an awesome cameo. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Recognize these geezers, Arch. Oh yeah, been waiting years to nab these guys. They used to work out of Gotham in the old days, and it is pretty much a a very well drawn caricature of Archie Goodwin. Yeah. Yeah. Great little series too. And uh we didn't really go into it super deep because we want Jason to participate this episode. But I mean if you get a chance to read this, you can scoop it up for peanuts in the back issue the cheapy bins, or it was collected into trade paperback. Um and it's not very difficult to find. It's it's a no. it's a very worthwhile read. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Goof, goofy fun. Good and it's not y'all. like it's it's you know it, 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 whether or not it was you know we we really I, I hope we get to talk to Matt soon because I want to I don't know I don't want to like open, reopen any wounds because I don't know if this was similar to the whole demon issue where he may have had plans for midnight and then DC. Like yeah. if this was just a standalone little Elseworlds tale where, you know, he just did this and that was it, or if he was planning on doing something like with Sam and Mystery Theater or what they did with the Shadow Years before and had the miniseries and then had the the ongoing. I don't know, but um it, it it's a great standalone story. you get a beginning, middle and end and and, and it's a real cool um piece, but I you know, part of me also wonders if if something were to come out of it, or maybe DC did have plans 
in, at the same time for for relaunching JSA and and possibly bringing Midnight in there. And who needs two versions of the same character at the same time? But it's it's um it was it's it's a really cool book. Yeah, and it's Peter Cross is disturbingly clinical. Like he in the beginning of the book, yes. he, he's handing out bleach and clean needles to junkies and he goes to um, prostitutes and he gives them condoms and he's like, Hey, how's business girls? And they throw themselves at him. They're like, Hey, why don't you sample some of this business? And he's like, no, 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 no. Even the, the Camilla has a romantic attachment to him, but he never, he never, uh, uh, sent, uh, returns the, uh, the sentiment, which makes sense because he's ridiculously clinical and he's a doctor. Right, it just it works really well. So there's there's a lot of of layers in this thing too. But if you wanted to just read it for the 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 silliness and the surface level, it's it's it'll reward you uh, regardless. Yeah, it's just good, really good. Excellent. Right. So let's let's move on again. Nothing on the Wednesday. So. Uh, <laughs> You're excited. You are very excited. No, but yeah, no, no. Uh, we, we can definitely save it for later because we're no. excited about something else that we 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 finally, um, yeah, but gave we... a second chance to. So by all means, we'll, let's let's move it to a different publisher for a minute, for a few minutes. I don't think that's wise. I th- I think I because do. I want to capture your excitement in a bottle. You will. Don't worry. Don't worry. We we finally read as a group. And Jason talked about this last time, um, Immortal Hulk. And and let the uh, the annals of EOC history note that I have never been this wrong about a book. Mm, wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> but I appreciate you you acknowledging that uh, we were all mistaken in our first read through of this. You weren't the only one that read this first issue and thought, eh, I don't know. Oh yeah, I think I still think, um, and this all fresh in my mind because I read all eleven in in one afternoon. I still think the first issue is weak. It does not give you any kind of insight as no. to the depths of the story that would follow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. But as it progressed, and I I sent you both a, a message on the Slack. I equate. This Immortal Hulk. Now, before y'all go screaming and, and, and running into the streets, I'm not saying that it mirrors it in terms of note for note quality or the, um, thoughtfulness with which the story was written or the depth of it. But Immortal Hulk reminds me of what Alan Moore did with Swamp Thing. The, the progression of, of the narrative is very similar. You got an origin story that everybody knows. Well-known origin story of the Hulk. And he puts a spin on it from left field that makes it the same, but with one little wrinkle. That's what Alan Moore did with Swamp Thing. He kept the basic origin of Alec Holland and, and Swamp Thing, but he just put a tiny little twist on it that revolutionized the origin. The plant that thought he was a man, right? Here we have the Hulk that can't die. Under any circumstance, can the Hulk die? Because when he when he when Bruce dies and the sun goes down, the Hulk will return. And that's it's. There's nothing that contradicts very much that came before, and it's a novel twist on it, and it works. 
so this this whole thing just reminded me of Swamp Thing and the way um, Alan Moore used the Floronic Man to really great effect. Like the Floronic Man was like a third string character in DC Universe. It wasn't used to very good effect, much like Sasquatch. Right? The, the, the parallels are there if you want to see them. We were hurting my heart because Sasquatch he, is a key part of Alpha Flight. And there are plenty of great Sasquatch comics, but... But he's still, I mean, if someone were to list, I, I, the, I'm only, you know, I'm, I'm half pulling your balls here. I, I, I think he's fantastic in the way he's used in this this series so far, and it's much different than any way we've we've other, otherwise yeah. seen Walter Lankowski. I just mean that, like, I don't know if I'm putting dude with at like Floronic Man level, though. I mean, no, but he's a fair. I mean, he's pretty much been in a Marvel comic on the regular for like thirty years. I think in terms of impact, pretty much Bruh. in the zone. He's, <laughs> a, have to go he's, a, he's a hairy hulk, where the Floronic Man was, um, his origin is derived in part from Swamp Things too. So, I mean, it's, it's six of one, whatever. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, take these things from, you know, the, the dark recesses of the, the respective universes and make them new again. That's what is Ewing's doing here and it's amazing it's it's so so good that it's I feel stupid for passing on it the first time I agree yeah I just it's, thought- it's, a, it's a straight horror book I mean it's it's a it's you know I don't know what the the regular not the regular but the the mainstream superhero reading community thinks of this book. Um, but it certainly fits the kind of book that would get the haterators out in the sense that it's a completely different take on a character that has a lot of history. Um, and that's pretty freaking hard to do these days and, and, and it'd be well received at that. Uh, so, um, it's one of those things too. I think the best ideas are often the ones where after you read them, you think to yourself, like, oh, that makes so much sense. Why haven't why hasn't that been done before? Right? I think that fits that's what fits in here. Why why haven't we why haven't we portrayed the Hulk like this before? Well, I think that's akin to someone saying, Hey, that's an amazing invention. Why didn't I think of that? You that's know? what I'm saying. No, yeah. that's my point. Those are the best things where once you read it, you're like, oh, why hasn't this been done before? But but it hadn't. The point is no one ever thought to do it before. But that that's Yet it makes so much sense. It feels so right. Yeah. That it feels like it should have happened a long time ago. That it makes, after reading these 11 issues, it makes me think that Banner died in the original explosion. You know, I'm not talking blown to bits, but I, the, the radiation from the, the gamma radiation from the original explosion, while it gave him the ability to turn into something else... I think that radiation killed him because Banner says something in this that, you know, I've been dead, you know, for a long time. Whether he was meaning living a life removed from the rest of humanity, that is a uh, a take on the word dead. That's not a life at all. You know, if you're not, if, if you can't, don't have some kind of social connection or no man is an island, you, you cannot live apart from everything and everyone. And that's what Banner's forced to do, right? So he could have meant that, but I don't think so. I, th- I think Banner, 
Benner died somewhere along the line, whether, um, you know, hours after the blast or not long after it. Who, who can say? Maybe he went to sleep. And, and that first, you know, uh, period when he was turning into the Hulk, maybe that's when it kicked in. You don't know. It, it would be a, another neat spin on it because it wouldn't matter a whit in terms of the Hulk history. He didn't know that he was that he was a uh, uh, dead, right? And we didn't either, according to this Ewing's take on it. It's just it, it's cool that the possibility's there for him to have died somewhere along the line. And Rick Jones needs a freaking makeover because he's looking <laughs> nasty. He does look maybe some new clothes. When did that happen? When did Rick Jones die? I'm guessing after the whole A bomb nonsense with the. The Red yeah. Hulk and the... The, the A-bomb's not nonsense, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. That's a cool goddamn character. But 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 Sasquatch, though. Oh, <laughs> come on. Blue Spiky? No. As opposed to Shaggy Hulk? Give me a break. Oh, A-bomb's, A-bomb's cool. No. Not with that name. He's not. Anyway. The... Um, I... I kept reading issue after issue, and I didn't read all 11 in one sitting. It took me a couple of days, but it was, it, the, I think everything was done extremely well, even with the, even with the issues that Bennett didn't draw start to finish, whether he was just doing the framing or um, you had the issue with the absorbing man, where from his point of view, it was illustrated differently. It, it's it, everything kind of serves a purpose. So it, it, it which you know, plays to uh, the artist's strengths, and like, Ewing did that extremely well. He handled that deftly, and the um, the story itself as as it's it's one long plot line. Yeah, from one issue to the next. So he's, it, each issue may have you know banner and the Hulk investigative team may solve whatever problem is going on, but it's, it's still the thread continues to be sewn into the next issue. And, and, um, and I just, I, the, the, the little, the little nods to the past, whether it's McGee and, and not liking him when he's angry or, uh, that that's his secret. And, you have like the callback to Bruce's father, who, of course, Peter David made front and center during during one mm-hmm. of his his arcs, and and uh, I, I just I like how Ewing is definitely playing with this this new aspect of the character uh, being immortal more or less, because uh, we still have to get through the end and future imperfect and things like that. But you have, you have Ewing doing, doing something different with the character, but he is not discounting or crapping on no. what came before. Mm-hmm. And I, I said that that's, that's something I sincerely appreciate. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I may, I may have a heart for continuity and, and, and I appreciate people who respect the past and, and, and not kind of just cover it with, with a shitty looking area rug, but there are definitely 
you, you get extra points when when you got, and I'm not saying you know you have to retcon it so that you know this happened between two panels in 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 some issue back in 1963. It, it's just it's. This has been established, and and I'm working within these parameters, and and this is the story I want to tell with this character now, and and it's working. I I have no, the only, the only problem, and, and you mentioned it last week when you talked about the Alex Ross covers. The only one I really have a problem with is the one where he fought the Avengers, and it kind of just reiterates to me if Stan and Jack did not create the character. Alex Ross gives it no love. And this image of Captain Marvel on the cover of issue seven is absolutely horrendous. Really? Other than I didn't that, take note. Yeah. It, well, first of all, it's, it looks like a dude, but I, I it is like a standard for miracle man, but there's if, because we know he can paint the hell out of a Captain America cover. He can, I mean, we know he loves his DC characters, but if, if, if it's a character that Jack Kirby had a hand in breaking, then then Alex Ross is all up in it, and and you definitely get the love. But if it's if it if it's a non Jack creation, it's it he kind of just doesn't give it the same kind of care. Hmm. But other than that, I think especially when whether um and the covers also, which isn't the norm most days. Uh, the covers do kind of reflect what you're going to get in the issue, uh, especially in the in the most recent ones where he he just looks absolutely um, like a shell of his former self. Um, yeah, which was nuts. And the whole green door thing. I just I really I I don't definitely jumping all over the place. But I mean the the, the when you when you bring in uh, I mean they're even like you know making fun of of absorbing man and and obviously that, that that's low-hanging fruit but but it's but still he's crucial to, to the plot exactly right yeah. right so it's 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 even though even though you know who who could we i mean it's not like it's slapstick but it's still a character that that, that can move the story along and and with a good reason i mean he has the perfect power set to do this and and you still have and and the way with the whole thing with Dr. Clive freaked me the hell out. I was just, it's, it is a, this is not your uncle Bill Mantlo's Hulk. It, no. it, 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 there's, it, there's part of him in here, but if you liked, if, if that was what you grew up on, as Jason said, you know, people may have had, not everybody may have been feeling it from jump. Um, that, that could be part of it. People might be expecting something with a Hulk book and, and this is turning that on its ear. Yeah. This is a really well-crafted book on a lot of levels. Um, first of all, props for it being essentially standalone. I mean, yes, other, other characters appear, but, but, uh, it's a rarity these days where you can go, uh, almost, you know, full years worth of issues without getting caught up in an event or a tie in or something like that. So I love that they're like giving spaces to tell the story. Um, I think that it's also deft the way that Ewing is layering in lots of things from the Hulk's vast publishing history, um, but but not for the sake of just rehashing it. Like, this isn't the Uncanny X-Men just bringing back Apocalypse because it's been a year since they fought Apocalypse. You know, this is this is showing that he understands the character's histories but just using him as background elements to weave a new story with a new tapestry. So I, I think that's, that's, that is deft work. I think that's what separates great comic book writers from 
average comic book writer um, who can maybe pen a decent yarn every now and then, but but doesn't wow you. I, I think to to wow you, you have to be able to to integrate the old with the new in uh, in a nuanced way, and he's done that here. Um, I think that uh, shout out to we, we've we've sung Bennett's praises. Got to shout out Corey Pettit because. Mm-hmm. You know, by 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 its nature, this is a book that's meant to evoke old horror stories and EC. And Pettit has a lot of fun with the t- typography in this series. Um, old, you know, fifties sci-fi movie posters, horror posters, EC type fonts. I mean, he's having a lot of fun with the fonts and sound effects, and I, I think that's a that's a nice part to it because I think in today's digital age, it's it's harder for letters to stand out sometimes, and uh, it seems like he's having a blast with this. So I love that. I agree with you guys on absorbing man. Um, yeah, you know it's funny that Dap you cited issue number seven as the uh, with the cover as being the the one that we kind of thought was jank. Because for me, issue seven was the strongest issue. What was inside the pages, in the sense that yes, uh, you know, I mean, I I I love that one of the issues I think you can have with a character like the Hulk or any omnipotent character, Superman, what have you, is that the MacGuffin factor where, where the character is always as strong as they need to be or as weak as they need to be for whatever's happening in the story. And I loved that in this book, uh, as a longtime Marvel zombie and an Avengers fan, I don't aspire, I wouldn't have bought into the idea, no matter what version of Hulk we're reading, that he could just lay waste to the Avengers willy-nilly. So I love that Ewing gave us a situation where, you know, the Hulk is so feared and so respected as a force of nature that, of course, the Avengers have, you know, have safety upon safety upon safety in terms of backup plans to take him down because they know just how dangerous he is and they do take him down. Yeah. And I love that because I think the Avengers should be able to take that. The collection of the Avengers should be able to take down anything. If you could defeat literal gods that can control the cosmos, you should be able to defeat, defeat the Hulk no matter how powerful he is. So I love that they defeated him, but only temporarily so. And then it's awesome that they decided to chop him up in little pieces. And I mean, just, just all these little surprising, horror-driven you know, uh, story points that we just don't see in the book very often, if ever. Um, uh, just, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like Ewing is just... I don't know if this is one of his favorite characters, but he just seems like he's doing inspired stuff here. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Well, like Dap said about the different aspects of the book are tied to different eras of Hulk history, like the Helios laser that Tony uses to take him yeah. out in this issue. That's World War Hulk. Right. Right? And the fact that we don't know who Red Dog is for a number of issues, that's Mr. Blue from the the JMS run. You know, and there's just these, these neat Wait, little... Was that JMS or was that... Uh, was that um... Uh, no, wasn't that Gerber? Mr. Blue? No, that's Birth of a Monster. That's, um, Ramita Jr. and, uh, Straczynski, right? Well, Mr. Blue kept contacting Banner on the, on the road. No, I remember, I, I remember the art. I didn't, I didn't know that was JMS. I'm pretty I sure it was. It yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but, um, but look at all the stuff that, that's new that Ewing is throwing into this. Like Shadow Base. And General Fortian, which I think is an amazing name because it's obviously derived from Charles Fort and Fortian Times, the, the study of all these weird paranormal things. Um, at one point in the, the book, Banner uses automatic writing. What? 
Seriously. Automatic writing in a, in a Hulk book where, where he's trying to channel information from his unconscious mind to, to, to learn more about himself and the green door and, and what's going on. It, it, it's, and, and even Ewing equates the process with John D and Enochian magic. Like, this is insane that all this stuff is in a Hulk book. It's just, it's too high level that you have, you have, um, a glimpse into the Kabbalah and the tree of life in a fucking Hulk book. Mm-hmm. Like it's in, it, it's just, it baffles my mind. It boggles my mind how in depth this storyline is. And it's a top shelf mainstream, although it's a mature reader's title, but still it's a mainstream Marvel book. It's, it's amazing that he's just giving this to Marvel. And I know I've, <laughs> I've railed on that in the past, but he's, he's injecting all of these novel concepts into what we already, a character we already knew for, for decades. And it's amazing. And it works so freaking well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I just, it's so fun to be surprised by a, uh, Marvel or DC character that we've read for decades. You know, I'm telling you, that, if, that's what, I mean, that's really, I think at the heart of why I continue to read so many superhero books, even though it's just, a lot of it is rope, you know? Yes, yes. Um, Especially with the X-Men, but... Well, I, that's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. But, th- th- I mean, th- they're searching for the formula to revive their characters. It's right there. Just let the let a, a very capable, talented writer and artist team do what they want with the character. I mean, I don't know what kind of restrictions are placed on Ewing, but from this book, it doesn't seem like there's too freaking many. Um the Hulk is chopped up into pieces and stored in, in jars. Like that's, that's about as far as, as traditional Hulk as you can get. And the finger snap was brilliant by the way. But anyway, yes, I, I, this, the formula is right here on how to revitalize the Marvel universe. More of this type of storytelling. As Jason said, this is not the umpteenth return of apocalypse. This is new and it's pumping blood into the character. There's a heartbeat to this thing. It's it's new and it's novel. It's just amazing. I can't I can't frost this cake any more than than I I I have. It's just it's incredible. Yeah, no, I I I hundred percent agree. And I mean, I I don't know if you're baiting me here, but um, but I did mention that I was going to go on a mini rant tonight, even though we generally try and keep it on the love tip, which is just that. I think Marvel should be ashamed of themselves over what they've done the last few months with Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I think it's a failure at every level. Yep. And I say that with peace and love to Ed Brisson because I really enjoyed Extermination. And I, I'm not saying – I don't – like it's not – sometimes it just doesn't click. I'm saying with peace and love because Mahmoud did the first issue and you know we got love for Mahmoud. We just sang his praises for an hour last last episode. Um, I, I, I think – now, I have a criticism of the business model, which a lot of you who are listening are going to say, well, who, as readers, why do we give a shit about the business model? I agree. Maybe we shouldn't, but it's hard for me to ignore it. And what I mean by that is they relaunched it as a weekly series. They're charging three ninety nine an issue. So by itself, regardless of, of any higher prices, they're asking people to commit $12 a month to the title, which I you know look for a lot of people. That's a, that's a big part of their monthly budget for comics. But on top of that, 
they charged $7.99 for the first issue, which maybe you can get away with because it's the first issue, yada, yada, yada. Although, again, it was oversized only because they had three completely superfluous backup stories that mean nothing. And then they tell us that in issue 11, it's also going to be $7.99. Why is that, you ask? Because apparently it is the launch of the next event. So they gouge you by charging you $7.99 for the first issue that launches a new event. Which, oh, then, by the way, you're going to have to buy a shit ton of tie-ins and one-shots and minis to get the full effect of the event. Yeah. So it's like gouging you for gouging you. So net of it all, over a three-month span, if you wanted to buy the first 12 issues of Uncanny X-Men, you're spending at retail nearly $60. That's absurd. That is absurd and inexcusable. And I only bring up that aspect of it because at one point – for a long time, Uncanny X-Men was one of Marvel's flagship titles, one of the top sellers. It's been a long time since it's been the case, and this is like the 20th attempt to try and change that and bring it back to the forefront. And their solution is to try and get people to commit $60 over a three-month span? Like, like what new reader is going gonna, is gonna to do that? Like, no, no new reader. Like, if you haven't been reading X-Men, no one is committing that kind of capital. Um. But then there's the story. And, you know, again, I, listen, we, 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 cannot, we couldn't do this podcast if we didn't love nostalgia, right? Like a huge chunk of why we're in our 40s and 50s reading this stuff with as much passion and time as we do is because we love the nostalgia of these characters and these universes. That is a given. So nostalgia in and of itself isn't bad. But for some reason, and I can't figure it out, the, the people that write the X titles are just incapable of escaping the black hole of the nostalgia. Like it's almost as if they have a calendar and it's like an advent calendar and you gotta, you gotta every, every so often you gotta dig up Mr. Sinister and then you gotta send him to the space to fight the Shi'ar and then you gotta bring in this, the Sentinels and then you gotta bring back apocalypse. And then you gotta have Magneto. It's like rinse, repeat, Right. Every three years have a cycle. And I just don't understand it. Like, I'm fine with those characters, but give me something new. Like, like, like pepper it with other cool new things. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's just it's baffling. Like, I got to say that I'm, I've read the first every issue that's come out of it so far. And it's 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 bad. Like, it's not it's just not even engaging right now. It's centered around Nate Gray coming back as a messiah. So again, classic X Men trope, a, a you know a dystopian future that needs to be changed, um, and he's made horsemen, but they're horsemen that are supposed to be good, they're not really good, and it's it's a ton of people walking around talking about the future instead of actually doing anything about it, and there's very little fighting. It's just it's it's an absolute flop, and it's a bummer, man. It's a bummer because I have read hundreds, Christ, thousands probably. X, X or mutant titles over the over the years and I'm a sucker because I continue to buy it hoping we'll get another great run and I just uh, I don't know I, I think the run is I I refuse to believe that that there are no there's no way you can make these stories awesome again there's it's just not possible look what Bendis is doing with action and Superman look what Ewing's doing with the Hulk right I mean look what look what Remender did with the X-Force characters I mean it can be done it can be done like it's not impossible. The Black Panthers in space. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm not really loving that myself, but I get it. It is a new idea. I mean, I. But yeah, I just don't. I, I think I don't know. you left out the biggest elephant in the room. 
Look what Jason Aaron has done with Thor. Yeah, that's a good one. Like an entire, yeah, entirely one, yeah. new sure. mythology on the character, sure, but that's a great one, yeah. not changing like a whole hell of a lot. While we're on the subject of Jason Aaron, look at his Avengers. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really enjoying the book. And who thought, yeah. you know, there were yeah, umpteenth that. iterations of the Avengers approach, but it works and it's fun. And, yeah. uh, you know. And like, if you even look at it from a systematic standpoint, in the last three years, we've gotten Gene Gray, OG Gene Gray, OG Logan, OG Cyclops, all back from the dead. Now, I realize no major comics character ever stays dead. Now, that's cool. I mean, look, that is what it is. But the difference is with the X titles, they turn each one into a year-long, drawn-out, boring-ass event. Where, where you're bringing each one back with minis and tie-ins and it's like, just bring them back. Like, just bring them back and then tell stories. Like, they're back. Cool. Oh, Nightcrawler, they just brought Nightcrawler back from the dead. Right? Like, like <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I hate to be negative, but I'm just mystified at the whole thing. I don't, and now we've got this age of X-Men coming. I mean, in the latest previews, it's it's plastered throughout the previews, the Marvel previews. It's like, in t- half the, it seems like half of the Marvel titles are tied into it in some way, and I just, I don't know. I mean, X-Man was, never struck me as the kind of character that should be at the centerpiece of, of, a, of a resurgence. You know, especially because it's just playing on that same, oh no, the future's fucked up, let's see if we can... I mean, how many times have, have X-Men books focused on a future that needs changing? A hundred? Right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just an absolute trope. And my only explanation for this is, in a way, an homage to Claremont. For some reason, the Claremont run, which we all hold dearly, is so beloved and so sacrosanct in people's minds that writers feel compelled to pay huge homage to what happened in that series with him in their own way, rather than just do their own thing. And I, I, can, only, I can only surmise that's a big part of it. But I think it just – I think that I need more Al, I need more Al Ewing – and more Rick Remender and more Grant Morrison and, and less like Plinko where I pull a character out of the hat and say, oh, it's time to, to, to put them into the book. So enough ranting. There's too many awesome books that came out this week that we can talk about. But but uh, yeah, man, X-Men, total flop, total flop. Oh. Well, not this week. There wasn't anything real good. But... There was so <laughs> much real good this week. Three <laughs> number ones this week are three uh, of the best number ones I've read in a long time. Really? What am I missing? Well, I I know of one. Okay. And and Dap is just he's grinding. He wants to talk about this so bad. Well, no, I, Dap read Dap read two of them. Two of the three I, I'm talking about. Well, why don't you gang up on one that I haven't read? Tell me about it. Um. Okay. Um. You want me to pick one? Yeah, you're the boss. I'm not the boss. You're the boss. You're the producer. Um. Well, how about this? Written by Ed Brubaker. Oh, nice. Drawn by Sean Phillips. Colored by Sean Phillips' son. How about that? That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm talking about Criminal, number one. The return of Criminal to a monthly issue format. Yep. The long-awaited. I believe this is, what, volume nine, if I'm not mistaken. It's, uh, it is the, uh, Return to arguably the most featured character in criminal history, right? 
Teague, I would say, is probably, it's fair to say he's been in more criminal issues than anyone else, recognizing that it's a pretty diverse cast of characters over the years. But in this, we get a glimpse of Teague as an older guy. He's in his, I think, early 50s per the issue. And he's just getting out of another stint in jail. And in order to have gotten out of jail, uh, his son, his younger son, uh, Leo. Leo, right? That's his name, right? Dap, is that his name? Leo? Uh, I think that's that's his name, right? Well, good enough. Well, at the beginning of the issue, no, well, there's there's Philip who's showing up at the house, talking to Grandpa. But no, I didn't I didn't finish the issue. You didn't finish the issue. It's not on my list. Uh, <laughs> you, you in in the EOC patrons, you were gushing about it, saying how much you were looking forward to reading it. Well, you know, it was on my list, but it wasn't. Ah. Uh, so what's the rub? Well, what do you mean? What's the rub? Tell me the story. Yeah. So the the premise is that his son. Um, we don't know it's his son at first sneaks into a home and confronts an elderly man who has oh, Alzheimer's. Okay, what you're saying. All right. Yeah. And he, um, basically is trying to get the old man, his grandfather, quote unquote, to show him where the necklace is. And the old man eventually in a stupor regales him with the story that he theoretically has told him a thousand times about how he and his buddy, um, were, uh, in Japan um, long ago after the war as professional wrestlers. And they, um, even though they were successful, they were hated, understandably, because they were Americans. And his partner, Sal, got fed up with it and said, you know what, fuck this, let's go home to these states. But before we do, let's pull off a heist. And they, they did this back in the day. They pulled off a heist. His partner got locked up, but he escaped with the with a bunch of jewels. And um, basically, the jewels went, got spent over the years. Some were given to the mob, some were given to the Yakuza, so forth, so on. Um, but all that's left is this gigantic diamond necklace uh, from back in the day. And the kid steals the necklace. Uh, the The old man uh, has a moment of clarity, realizes what's happening, tries to stop him, tries to choke the kid out. So the kid uh, ends up beating him to death. And st- or not beating him to death, beating him to near death, and then uh, stealing the necklace to use to go to a pawn shop to get the money to bail out his dad, who's Teague. And when his dad finds out what he did to bail him out, he's pissed and beats his son to a pulp because he stole from the wrong guy. He stole from a protected guy, a guy that the mob protects. And as a result, Teague knows that he's got to go and see these mobsters and make good. And... Uh, Essentially, that's uh, what embarks on the tale here. He's got to try and make amends for what his son did, and he's kind of drawn immediately after getting out of jail back into the life. Um, So, listen, I mean, Criminal is one of those books where it's always so good that people don't talk about it because they're just used to it being really good. Truth. And I like that it's been a while. Now, what's interesting is in the back matter of the issue, uh, Ed talks about the fact that – he considers um, the hardcover that came out this year. My heroes uh, are, the, oh, he, yeah, he considers that volume eight of criminal. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so this is volume nine and you know, they did kill or be killed. And he said, it just felt like when he was writing uh, the, my heroes 
always been junkies. He just said it, it just inspired him to get back to doing this in issue form. And uh, it's been 20 years since he and Sean sort of working together. And uh, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. And like I said, it's neat that uh, Sean's son is now coloring the book. So. Yeah. And that Blood Simple illustration is outstanding in the back matter. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yep. I didn't read it um, just because I'm waiting for my paper copy to come. Yes, I So I, I don't, there, you know me, there are certain books that I've I, done through the image preview, but yeah, I just, yeah. I wanted to, um, this is one of those, it, it, this, it's weird. There are some books where I kind of have to have in paper and criminal is one of them. I, I, as soon as I saw that it was coming back, it was pretty much a no brainer. Wow. Phillips looks real good here. It really does. does and, not, uh, dude? Jacob did a great job. He did. Shades when does of he uh, not look great, by the way. Shades of Elizabeth uh, Breitweiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's I think because he's probably trying to work with the same palette that's been established. Yeah, I mean, keep there. it the tone. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. No, looking good, real good. All right, I'm glad Criminal's back. Same. And and I'm not waiting until the arc is done. I'm getting in single issues because um, I I read the back matter. Uh, this secret ingredient is crime, which if you're not a criminal reader, this uh, one, two, three, four, four pages will tell you everything you need to know to get caught up, more or less. And um, not only does he say criminal book six, he perceives that to be everybody's favorite. Uh, He's not wrong. Yeah. Last oh, is of that the, the, that's the last of the criminal? Last, last of the, of the innocent. innocent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he says... um. This new monthly version of Criminal, which for the first time is not going to be just uh, serialized graphic novels like they used to do, he wants to do longer serialized stories. Um, they will do them, but he wants to embrace what he says monthly comics used to do more often and just try to be something surprising every issue. So you may get a single issue story and a two-parter. Okay. Yeah, yep. that's just he just wants to mix it up. And and give you something that'll you know a big old exclamation point every month, which I'm so down with that. Down for that. Yeah. Yes, you can't go wrong with this team. Now that I've buried the lead, the the real number one issue that Dap wants to talk about is oh. Vamprella versus Reanimator. That's there it. you go. <laughs> it came out go. last last week. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about it. Um... Uh, a team of uh, of young heroes, but Speak on champions, me. champions came out last week. So, oh, that this, was good too, though. Yeah. Um, wow. No, I, I I did read it, and did you I <laughs> be careful. No, I'm no, not. So you I'm didn't not, care for it. No, I didn't. Um, I I enjoyed the um, I enjoyed learning who who these, these newer characters were. Um, I didn't, I wanted to read this to see if, if since I haven't read, I didn't finish the first volume of, or, or the most recent volume of champions. I didn't, I didn't read that to the end yet. So I didn't know if how much I'd need to know. And, and you kind of don't, it's a, it's a really good first issue jumping on point where, you know, cause, cause Kamala is, is as, as the team leader, she's, Telling you who all the characters are and 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 why they're doing what they do, why why she's made certain teams and and uh, and what they're trying to do. But then you also get some of the uh, 
some things that spilled over from the previous series, like whatever's going on between um, Viv and uh, Riri. And I don't know when Sam lost his Nova powers, but I mean, it's touched on and, and, and it, it ends with a pretty interesting cliffhanger. Although that's probably where I, it, it kind of lost me. I thought the whole first issue was really cool with them saving the day in multiple places. Um, and the little, you know, it had a little bit of a legion feel with the rah rah we saved the day type stuff at the end and and then you get um you get a complete 180 with miles obviously i mean they 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 weren't subtle about his um zub wasn't subtle about miles's attitude change and then on the last page you you kind of see why and then the hook is to come back to find out what exactly how it all got to be this way. So, I mean, it was, it was a cool idea. It was just, it was weird for me to see that big bad, um, facing miles. Although I, it's, it's not uncommon because shortly after he showed up in the six, one six, he was, he was facing a black heart. So there's, there, there was some precedence there, but I thought, I thought the art was pretty solid. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't dislike it at all. It just, I, I guess that's on me. I, I was maybe expecting something bigger or um, maybe different, but it was, it, it, it was, I'm, I'm going to read the second issue. I want to see where it's going. So it was, it was, it was a good show from, from everybody, but the, uh, what, what Vince doesn't want to talk about tonight <laughs> is the, uh, is the first issue from the new wonder comics imprint which is the imprint that um, DC gave to Brian Michael Bendis. And it is the first issue of Young Justice, written by Bendis, art by Patrick Gleason. Alejandro Sanchez is your colors. And the weirdest thing, DC lettering does your letters. And um, there were a slew of covers for this issue. There was a standard cover with all the heroes. Uh, and then each hero, uh, got their own cover from various artists, but this issue, it's whatever else came out this week. This is the thing they all have to beat. So I, there's just something about young justice. I was, it's weird. I, I, I'm not, I was not the biggest Bart fan back in the day. Impulse was just, it was a cool character and it, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a reason for Wally to have a kid flash. And, um, I guess the character kind of just really didn't speak to me. So I wasn't really keen on Bart, but I, I'm a Tim Drake fan. I'm a Connor fan. Uh, you know, you, 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 you give me reign of the Superman, Superboy and, and, I'm at attention. So, uh, the, the, the team is pretty much, you know, and, and even, even wonder girl, Cassie is, you know, she, she's fine. I'll say it. It's just, it's, it's, you call somebody wonder girl and I that she's not the image I have, which is absolutely fine. That's the, that's me. But, um, the first page just, I mean, the first page right away, right off the bat, they start referring to an earth crisis and, and apparently there have been seven 
of these crises. And at every time a crisis happens to the earth, everything the earth touches, it seems, is affected. And, and seven times this happened. And and so now, now, now you're really tickling me because you're talking about every DC event from from the eighties and and on. And because there are characters in this book that we as fans haven't seen in a while. Um, just kind of want to see how it's all going to come together. And, and Bendis just dangled everything in front of me. And I'm just, I'm like, you can't just swatting at it. And, and I just, I, I, I need to know where we're going with this. We, we, we were introduced to Ginny Hex from, um, where is she from? Um uh, Dripping Springs, Texas. And what's funny is uh our boy Flippa, he knows where Dripping Springs is and and it is not exactly the kind of place that someone like Jenny Hex would come from. It's more like, you know, golf courses and resorts and things like that. So um but this is, you know, the DC universe spring, so we'll see. maybe it's a little different there. But we get we get Jenny Hex, we get um the big bads that uh I really wasn't expecting to see from from Gem World of all places, but uh, Robin is here, Wonder Girl is here, Teen Lantern is here. The last page is is a fantastic cliffhanger. There is every every hero is introduced with with a very big screen action flick splash page. Um, Letting you know, you know that they're here to 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 save the day. There are double page spreads. There, um, there's just so much in here that I I I smiled on every single page. There, there there's nothing, and yeah, th- this was just one of those things where it it hit every note and and knocked it out of the park for me. Six ways to Sunday. Preach. <laughs> yeah, I. It's funny, right? Because it's like you, your affinity for certain characters is born out of when you're when you read them, or or if you've read read characters prior to that. So for me, like I I love uh, Cassie because that's when I started reading these characters. Okay, like the first the first Teen Titans I ever read was the Jeff Johns run. Oh right, okay, yeah. So I'm a big fan of all of those characters for sure. Um, I got to admit, I, I didn't know much about Teen Lantern. Now, do we know, is it the same Teen Lantern from like the 31st century or is it, do we not know that yet? I don't think we know that yet. Okay. Because there was a a Legion yes. member who was Jordana Gardner, who was Guy Gardner's descendant. I, I don't know if that's in fact this one, but. Uh, it's a pedigree but, right there. She does say I'm new. Yeah, that's that that's 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 a purebred. Uh, she she says I'm Teen Lantern. I'm new. This is nuts right. high. So I think that this is a new character. Um, or a new new version of, of sure. Character. Uh, I definitely didn't expect to see a Jonah Hex girl <laughs> version. That was surprising, for sure. Um, I love that she used a real gun, and in the middle of the fight, Robin's like, "Are those real bullets?" <laughs> and she's like, well, "Of course, they're. what like <laughs> you daft prick? Of course they're." Um, yeah, man, I I thought this was great. I thought that the the team vibe was great. Uh, I have very little exposure to Impulse. Uh, but 
he's like well, he, he was, seems he like would have been he would have been your kid flash in that john's run no i know yeah yeah he but he was more mature in his yes kid. like yes. yeah yeah um but he was like the annoying little he was like the beast boy he was like you know the yes. annoying like in the you know in the throes of it he's like young justice is back you know like we're back again and uh uh yeah i thought it was great man i love the tone uh i thought um Bendis did a nice job of of getting us right into the to the action. There's plenty of time for us to learn about these backstories, right? Like, yeah. like we don't we don't need to know all about them right now. Like, we just we need to see the team get together, and we got that. And uh, yeah, I, I just I thought this was terrific. It's it's exactly the kind of team book that I, I I'd like to have a handful of to read, and and we haven't had in a bit. So I, I, uh, I like how Gleason changes. The style, depending on who's who's in the spotlight, the, the the image where Impulse is is showing up. Because you know, one minute he's running to Canada to join Alpha, and and then, but the way Gleason draws Impulse, all smiles and happy go lucky, and 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 legs all akimbo. But then when you see, you know, you flip back a couple of pages, and and you see the uh, the the fighters from gem world and, and they're a little bit more scruffy and, and gritty and, and there's some cross hatching and there's, there's just, there's, and then of course there's the, the punches from and, and kicks from, from Robin, which of course aren't going to help their appearances. But yeah, I think, I think Gleason was just, he was on it. I, I there's very few times I would ever say that, you know, I don't, I don't think Gleason quite nailed it, but this is an instance where where he he definitely did. I think he had he had some fun with this. Uh, um, it's know, funny because I think Gleason and Joe, like I said last week, for me Gleason and Bennett, what they're doing with these books, I, I like. I feel like it's leveled up. I I, I think they're almost impeccable in their own yeah. ways. They're different books, but I I, I think Gleason looks great here. He like yeah, you said, he's always does. good. Yeah, but I was I was blown away, and um and and I I mean Peter Rios must be passed out with joy somewhere in uh, Philly because I mean, Amethyst is in this book. I mean, that's like his favorite character of all time. So, um, I didn't read the Amethyst series, so I know very little about her gem world is, is, is most of what we saw in this issue, uh, previously established lore about gem world. Do you know? That's a question for Vince. No, I think they're taking a little bit of liberty, liberties, but especially with the design of those characters. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a little more um, Alice in Wonderlandy kind of thing now. Yeah. Uh, to my eye, um, Gleason has established a style, which to me is very strong line, thick, inky blacks, well-placed, but designy. I think in a lot of pages in this thing, um, Gleason looks like Sean Murphy. Didn't see it that way. There's a lot. Are you kidding me? There's a lot of Sean Murphy in here. Look at look at the page when when uh, they introduce Ginny Hex, and then you get to the it, because he transforms. The line will get dirty at sometimes. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, and it's very clean whenever Bart's on the page. Yeah, it's, it's it's. I thought it was he did a phenomenal job. Very 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 well done. Um, but you know, I I thought it was very fun, and it was extremely well written. It was well paced. It was planned out. Um, I mean, if you're going to start a new series, you know, set it in Metropolis, right? 
the the characters yeah. are searching for Superman. They ain't going to find Superman, but what they do find dispatches them somewhat as easily as if Superman were there. I mean, the the team they just rip through these characters. And they're kids, and it's their first time together, and they have no plan. They have no, um, there's no tactics going on from, from being, t- like the Titans had tactics because they worked together for so long. These kids, they just ran into each other and, you know, for however long they've been apart, they have some that are untested. Teen Lantern and Ginny, they don't know what they can do, but they just thwart these invaders like they were nothing. You know, that's what I thought was cool. You don't mean to tell me that the page where Amethyst is holding the, the sword up to Robin's throat, that's not Sean Murphy-esque? Come on. No, not because that's that's more, um, that remind, if, if I'm looking at Robin, I see more, more Tom Mandrake than I see Sean Murphy. Compared to the last page, that's a totally different. Gleason. Yes, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. With like when 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 impulse is is running through the um, the, the the playground and stuff, yeah, it, it absolutely looks. He's he's got a different kind of. Mm-hmm. He changes it up depending on which character is. Uh, he does. Yeah. That's true. But I, I absolutely love the double page spread of the uh, yeah. the gem world people coming out. Oh hell yes, yeah. that's yeah. a beautiful Stepping page. I mean, line. it's so well composed and <laughs> it's it's gorgeous. I I I don't have an attachment enough to. Those characters definitely like own that page, but wow, is it beautiful? Yeah, and and it, it it's it's another you know the whole word balloon placement. That, that's that's something else that Bendis tends, tends to do well, and he's he's done it for a while. Where you're you're reading it, and he says, "Hey, up here, bring me the one you call," and before you can finish saying Superman, the Twelve Kingdoms of Gemworld would have where we should check, and it's so you know. Instead of the old days of you know someone using ellipses because someone's about to be cut off or or talking over someone and you kind of have to figure it out on your own, you're just it's Bendis tends to and, and we've discussed this in the past. Bendis tends to write the way conversations would actually happen, and and that's evident throughout this entire yeah. issue. Doesn't always work in his favor, but in this issue it did. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I agree. But for me, I I love Ginny Hex the best. I don't know anything about her, nope. other other than what she told us, and um, I'm I'm intrigued because it's it's from what I can tell a new character. It's fun. Yes, it's it's more. It, it's in the mold of you know Jonah Hex. Okay, even the typography where they they uh, her name is Jonah Hex, but it, she seems fun to me. I thought Bart was the MVP of this issue. He was just the the soul of it, where he's just yeah he's just brimming with enthusiasm and he's um you you give a a, a teen who are already borderline ADD you know hyper powers where they can do a lot of things quickly and they're gonna be like Bart you know it just it it makes sense and um, he could have milked the Cassie her reluctance to to enter the fray. Bendis could have milked that for a couple issues, but he didn't, thankfully. <laughs> uh, no, I just thought I thought it was pretty wonderful. But again, I mean, it's it's the kind of comics that I want to read. It's they're fun. Um, you can you can get really deep into the the subject matter, like oh wow, look at this. We don't know anything about these Gemworld people. This is so cool, and um, 
from what I can tell, it's it's value on the dollar. I mean, this has very high rereadability to me. Yeah. It, yeah. For the artwork and just and and that last page, if oh, if you know you're gonna reach page. under my tunic and yep. massage my my special area, <laughs> Connor is the one to do it. So this is going to be the first time that we've had both John and Connor in continuity together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. So read that's it. an in- that's interesting how they're going to do that. Well, um, oh, one's a clone and one's a son, but still, I mean, I mean but Connor's yeah. never has not existed in the DC Rebirth. True. They didn't even reference him as part of the Doomsday replacements. I mean, he was recently written out of continuity. But then after convergence, that all got shut to shit anyway. Did it because really? Convergence was before. Well, the because convergence, right? But convergence because it's the reason. The reason we have the Superman and Lois we have now is because of convergence. Because they, they right? He didn't have powers during that year, and that, that's when they were able to conceive. Right, and right. and then by that whole Lois and Clark miniseries that Weeks drew, that that was all part of him, bringing him in, which is how they were able to get rid of uh, um, the uh, not not Superman during Rebirth. So, this is where my head gets a little bit fuzzy, where the cotton uh-huh. starts to seep in. New 52 Superman. Right. Is He's dead. Yes. So, the Superman running around in the rebirth is the... That's ours. That's our, that's our John Byrne, Dan Jurgens. Okay. That's, all right. So, that's what I knew now. Yeah. So, assuming... The death of Superman happened, which leads me to this Connor image. So this impulse in the fact that he knows uh-huh. Connor must be the impulse from before Flashpoint. Yes, that's my Yeah, idea. super weird, right? Right. So yeah. how do you explain that? Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, Bart's like, how did you get here? Connor's like, how did you get here? So it's it, it is Gemworld... Does Gemworld have something to do with it? Is is that like a buffer? Is that a safe zone where when these crises happen and other heroes yeah, get I think lost? You just, you just hit on it because the title of the arc is Seven Crises. Seven Crises, yeah. So I think you just hit on it. They're going to basically have this team together through some kind of a cocktail thing where the crisis, like, it's it's going to be a MacGuffin for dealing with the continuity solve. Not and necessarily this is going to, be able to use the crises as a way to bring these characters together in the new the new continuity. And not necessarily a bad thing, no. dude. It's no, comics, right? It. Like you if have you want to have these I mean, characters back, then have them back. Yeah, and this is right. You, you, this has been established. You, we, we've these characters, the readers, we're, we're aware that these crises happened. So just like. Just like what Ewing's doing with Hulk and and playing with everything that came before it, this is what Bendis Ben Bendis lives for. This he's he's like you know so you can I'm gonna tell the story and I'm gonna take something from column A and shuffle and and this is all it's all available to you. This is this is one of those reasons why yes, as great as it is to be able to keep your own characters when you can do something based on decades of history and and leave your mark on it or play with it for a while, then more power to you. And we should have always had Connor. I mean, the fact that he, he was extracted from continuity merely from just by the yeah. fact that he was a super boy. It, it, yeah. And, and let's also not, let's not 
ignore the fact that a lot of that had to do with the legal issues. Right. Yeah, of course. Siegel, Siegel's family was suing, and they, they actually won the case for Superboy, and so they had to basically remove Superboy from comics for a while. Right. Yeah. But it's 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 nice to have him back. And um, if Superboy comes back, uh, Connor, Superboy, maybe we'll get a lot of other things from that series, you know, which was a great, a great, I just want to see Knockout. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, this was really good. Um, obviously, I, I mean, I think you both of you are a little more excited for it than I am because I, I have Bendis on a really short leash. So this was great. Uh, Dap, Dap officially said, with anything, <laughs> with anything Bendis writes on my pull list, that's what he said today. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good. I mean, I'm glad you're enjoying the, the Superman books. That makes my heart six times larger. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to eight months when you finally read them and say that they are good. Damn, shots fired! No, oh, he, <laughs> he's pew, 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 pew. he's not wrong. He's he's not wrong. It's all cyclical. Yeah, he'll that's find how... him, he'll find him at C two E two or he'll find him in New York and and it's 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 all. Dude, that's good. how I roll. Damn, you exactly. know it. He just pulled a Schwenza out, got it hard, and slapped you across the face. <laughs> to, absolutely to the surprise of no one. Right. Right. <laughs> but no, this was a lot of fun, and and nice. uh, you know I'm I'll be there. I'll be reading it. I'll be there. Actually, I'll be looking forward to the the Slack messages on Wednesdays, right after it comes out. And Daps like, and I'd be like, stop! I didn't read it yet. No, 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 no. I'm not. I won't spoil it. But see, meanwhile, yeah, because now now you'll know what that feels like because there are plenty of times where you'll you'll you may make it to. I mean, you don't do it as often, but. You'll hit up the comic shop because you need something, yes. and then you want to talk about it. Jason gets his box weekly, but this—I've already, I've already double dipped on this because it's coming from DCBS at the end of the month because I ordered the bundle with this and Naomi. But I could not wait, and I had to run to the comic shop around the corner and nice. buy the uh, buy the issue, and I bought. I the, love um, that the Superboy variant. I love your new abode. <sighs> Me too. So Still waiting for that invite, but it'll be fun to hang out there. How, about, how about this shit? His that store sells variants for cover price. Yes, this nice. was a cover price. Really? Like what yeah. the hell? Right? Wow, that's you unheard of. Not not local, my friend. Um, let's pause with the calls and do a little business. Do it up. Uh, this coming Thursday, so one week from the time we're recording this will be our annual celebration of the year that was, the 11 O'Kloskers. Um, and this year we're going to do a little something something special. Um, we're not going to tell you who, but we're going to pick someone, and you'll find out. They, we are going to have a, a, a EOC community member, listener, friend, what have you, all of the above, sit in with us uh, for the show and rep the, the listenership. Nice. And credit to Vince. It was Vince's idea, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> or was it Tap's idea? Wasn't it Vince's idea? No, it was Tap's idea. It wasn't? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. That was not intentional. All right, Tap's idea. Excellent idea, Dap. Um, so, yes, but but the other reason I mentioned it, uh, two things. Um, first of all, love to you all because I have been mentioning that we were going to have a contest if we got at least 100 uh, completed submissions 
And we smashed that this past week. Y'all have done a great job this week. We're approaching 150 submissions at this point. So kudos to y'all. But uh, it's still not too late. If you'd like to participate, you can do so. And the best way to do that is one of two ways. One, you can go to the handy-dandy site. I'm sure you all have bookmarked, which is 11oclockcomics.com. And there is a tab up at the top left that our man Dap created, which will take you right to the ballot. It's a Google form, so uh, it's a survey format, a couple different pages. As long as you use your actual email address that you used the first time, you can always go back and edit your answers or add things as you see fit. Um, Or you can go to, if you're lazy and don't have our website bookmarked, you can go to rebrand.ly slash 11 o'clock comics. That will also bring you there. If you do submit your vote, you then become eligible along with these other 150 or so folks to participate in a drawing, which we will do during the recording next week. One lucky participant's name will be picked and you will be entitled to either a Marvel or DC Omniboo that's in print of your choosing as a prize and a thank you for your participation. So, uh, so you got, by the time you listen to this, you will have 72 more hours to get your ballots in. I personally would love us to go over 200 because that would be right around our, our prior record. So I, I know there's many, many of you out there that could make that happen. If just a tiny percent of those of you that are listening to this, go ahead and fill out a ballot. We will smash uh, that, that goal. So go ahead and do it. Do it. And we have do another it. announcement since we're in the zone. Why don't we speak on it? We, the um, uh, book of the month has yes. has been voted on. The uh, poll is closed, and the results da, 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 are in. Yes, they are. And Daph's going to tell you all about them. Uh, January Book of the Month, uh, as voted on by the patrons of the 11 Choices in Alphabetical Order, B.B. Wolf and the three LPs, Brat Pack, Dead Man Book 5, The Demon from the Darkness, the Homeland Directive, Incognito, It's a Bird, Love Song, The Sound of the World by Heart, Spider-Man, and your winner, with 35% of the votes, what we thank will Odin. discuss at the end of the month, no, not thank Odin, is New Mutants Demon Bear. Woohoo! Yes. Can't wait. Thank yeah, God. I was watching uh, this no. this one very closely. Like a hawk. There yes. was one I wanted to win. There was one I did not want to win. And there for a while I was sweating it because it yeah, looked like were. it was creeping up. Yeah, and it was. It it was second place, but um no, the de- now, the, is this the same book? No, the demon took second place. No, it did not. No. What took no, second demon, place? Incognito. Oh yeah, yeah. I did not want that one to win. Yeah, I threw that on there because it was it was something that I've never read and I'm interested. But it's it's so. But it, but no, the the demon from the darkness was the one that I was I was shooting for because that I would love very much like to read. I yeah, can put that great. Back on the ballot. Yeah, it will be. Oh, it will be yeah. without a doubt. Did not, you did it'll you be back in March? Did you not see the the list of of books that I sent you on the? No, I did not. It must have yeah. been an invisible link. No, it's there. When you said, "Hey, book of the month." Coming up, throw me some some suggestions. I did, but you no. didn't. You you didn't see them. Well, it's a good thing we have another twelve, uh, another eleven books in the month to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, ten, ten. Next month's already spoken. 
Yeah. All no. right. All right, there, cool guy. No. Ten more books of the month. <laughs> wow. I'm not the cool guy. I'm not the one who picked it and, and demanded that that's what we're going to talk about. So, well, I would. I didn't. I, I didn't actually. I don't demand. even remember what what it is. I, I feel it's like metal. Dark Knight's metal. 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 Dark Knight's metal. Oh, that's right, dude. I in my box this month. I got um, the Road to Metal. They're pulling stuff from all over the place. Are, are we, yeah. Have we established what exactly that entails that we're reading? Yes. Just yes, the main yeah. series, Dark well, Knight's we'll, Metal, yeah. right? Well, we, well, yes, 12 issues? No, six. No, no, it's six, but I think there's there's a couple of extras in there. I'll, yeah, well, I we'll, got the we'll hardcovers. Don't I have one that's got like more than right, – anyway, we'll I talk think this might – right, yeah. yeah we'll, stuff. we'll talk about yeah. this off air. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. Yeah. Don't we have another big announcement to make? Do we? We don't? I don't know. Do we? I thought we did. Well, then let fly with it. You're the one that should make the announcement. Why? Because you're the artist. Did I get an oh, update? I'm sorry. Was this? I'm I'm scrolling through. So I thought Vince. I saw this. I thought you meant to put this in the what you've read thread. I didn't know. That oh no, no. I, I thought that would the be Golden Age. Yes, the Golden Age has been on in the past. It'll be back on. Oh, it has been. Yes. Nemesis contract hasn't been on. No. Is it available? Yeah, it's an epic okay. collection. Oh, well, then there you go. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, these are good. Thank you. Fucking Cable, yo. <laughs> and Ladron. Oh, I love that stuff. Yep. That's, okay. a, that's a great okay. art. What happened to Ladron, man? He just did the uh, Sons of El Topo. Like I said, what happened to Ladron? What? What? <laughs> what? Okay. So what? Are we talking about the 2019 winner for the EOC album art? I... I thought we were. Are we not? I mean, it is January 10th. Yes, and you've decided to make... The, 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 all the votes are in. All the de- decisions have been made. And and who wins the grand prize? You tell the people. You're the oh, artist. I, did, I don't even know if we decided yet. Did we? <laughs> I'm so confused. Seriously. We had a discussion. We, 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 right, and then we, we, we asked, asked you for your clarification from last week. You offered up your clarification. We said, oh, that makes sense. Yes, but we haven't selected the additional one. Because okay. we're going to have, right, right. That This is what we should explain, is that we're going to have the one that will be on every standard episode. Yes. Um, we do but, a, an episode a week. Right. Right, 52 well, episodes. Re- no, see, that's the, at least, yes. All of the regular episodes that we do, the ones that are just, come out 11 o'clock comics as decided by us will bear the winner the artwork from the winner of the 2019 um cover art contest but the ones that the patrons generate through their patronage will get a different album art by another person who entered the contest so we're going to have that big ass main winner and then the extra episodes that you can thank all the patrons for, those will be emblazoned with a second piece of artwork from yes, a different yeah. artist. And that's the thing. We know who won the main contest, but we do not, we have not decided on that secondary album art winner. Yeah, we have a little bit, we, we, we have some, some more. Okay, we'll have to take this offline because I thought we had on the second. But No, uh, no. Okay, and then just since we're since we're airing every since we're airing our, our all of our production uh, notes on the air, um, are we going to let the winners of both of these uh, then 
get the fourth chair? For the 11 o'clockers? No, that's a patron. No, no, no. Uh, no. Get, the, the, the winner gets to sit in uh, as, as, as winning. They get to sit in on, the, uh, on an episode. Yes, okay. but I think they should be alone, and then we'll have the uh, runner-up on another episode. That's only fair. No, right. Okay, so that's what he's I, trying to. Sit, so that yeah. So he was trying to. I'm Jason saying both get a chance we, to sit in on the fourth chair. Oh hell yeah, more than Mary. Well, okay, perfect. Okay, fun. Well, so can we at least announce the the winner? Winner then. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. It's going to sound anticlimactic now that we've right. I mean, yeah, we've done all of this to say, hey, man, you. Is it is it anything different from the way we've always operated? It's fair. Sure. Anyway, it is with great, great pleasure. Well, for, actually, let's back up a second. Uh, when we announced the contest this year, I'll be keeping 100 since this is what we're doing here. We got like one, two submissions in like the first 10 days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oof, uh, like, damn, what, what's going on? But I got to say, folks, we're just warming up. We got a hella number of submissions and they were all terrific yeah, well, in their own ways. Yeah, art's not magic. You just don't snap your finger and it and it comes out. You know, it does take time. Does, it does take time for these people to, to do what I they do. I, I, just, I read comics for the words, not the art. I know. I know. Anyway, um, but no, seriously, we got, um, I didn't even tally it, but I think we got like a good two dozen submissions by oh, the end of yeah. it. Right? Yep, yep, yep. So it's always the sucky part is that I, I always feel like when you have a contest like this, there is a winner, or in this case winners, and then other people don't win. But I don't want, and this isn't hyperbole, I don't want anyone that didn't win to think that we don't love that you submitted something. Because I think, like, pretty much to a submission, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Even the ones that were just, like, may- maybe slightly head-scratching. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact that people did what they did and and our little show moved them to yep. do that is is just, it's, it's extremely humbling. I have... I'm just going to keep stumbling over my words. No, no I mean, there's everything only... Everything was... Yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm from the heart. It was just... Right. Like, and it's sincerely appreciated. I mean, there's no way... It, it. This is one of the parts where it's like, it's cool that, you know, people... We we have something to, to, to put on the episode, but that we have, we have people who go out of their way to present something to us that uh, that they yes. made is just and everything's been been absolutely fantastic i even things that i would maybe turn my head at and try to figure but it's it's still very very appreciative yeah yes well what i what i was going to say is there's only so many hours in the day right the mm-hmm. fact that these very talented people carved out x amount of hours from their lives they could have been spending time with their their loved one or their kids or or you know listening to a great album or going for a run but no they they took that time and devoted it to producing something roundabout for us that's crazy that you would do that you could have been making money you, you know you could have been having sex whatever the case you decided that your time for whatever many hours as it took you to do your thing, would was best spent devoted to us, and that's it. Just it it does not register. You get me all the clips, and yeah. and and I'm I'm we are very appreciative of that. Um, I know how long it takes. I'm not like Jason thinking you can just pull a piece of paper out of your ass and hey, that's I, me. You know, I <laughs> I made an image. Uh, 
so you know but, me, but, I don't I don't appreciate the art. And, 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 and whenever art is is put into a contest, and uh, one must win and everybody else not, uh, it's hard because what elevates one above the other? They're all great on their own. Um, there, there are, there's merit to every one of these things that, that, that was entered. And it, it's, it's just really rough, but I think there was one that encapsulated the energy that I think yeah. we have yep. and, and the love of comics, um, yep. coupled with inside nudges, you know, the nudge, nudge, wink, yep. wink. Like I listen to the show. I know what y'all talk about. And yep. I'm, a, and, and it just, and, and not to take words out of uh, Jason's mouth, but the winner, of the of the eleven o'clock comics, twenty nineteen album art contest is Jason. Oh, I thought you were taking the words on it. I was ta- I was taking the preamble out of your mouth. Nice. I would never I would never take the money shot away from you. It is Mister Birds and Boxes, Daniel White. Yes. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And to clarify, he did two versions. One where he toned it down a little bit and just filled the panel backgrounds with color and and uh, a scant amount of lines, and then another where he went in deep and he just littered it with everything that makes uh, what that he thought makes comics great, and that's the one we're going with. Right, because that's fitting. We're a big messy show. Sure. As 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 any of you that have that have struggled through this last three hours have figured out. <laughs> um, but no, and also, although we haven't talked about this uh, off air, I, I, I assume you will be fine with this. Uh, I think because of the, just as we established last year when our good friend Jonathan Gordon was selected for his second time, I think this will be, this will be Daniel's second time winning the logo contest. Ergo, I think he should also be the second member of the Hall of Fame and he should uh, be retired after this year from being able to submit. Just as Jonathan was. But Jonathan was concurrently. He was, yeah. I thought, I thought that's why he was retired, because he won two years in a row. Mm, I mean, that seems a little... Because then it's like, we could have just told him you can't submit this year, and then you're back next year. I think, well, that's, I mean, I think that's fair. I think, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Because Daniel has a really big dick uh and, for, and he's also uh he's also got a permanent place in our heart i mean yes, he's one of our yes no he but, is I one mean, of our travel companions one of our homies i mean he's 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 going to be part of the family regardless of whether he does future logos yes i mean if if we're but talk- either way d-dubs you killed it as did most of you but but yours was it just it it hit that special spot man yep yep it was inspired work so Congratulations! You you do us you honor us with your your work there, yeah, young man. Yep. And I guess we will announce the secondary logo winner next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, works so for I me. We had a winner, but okay. No, if you read that text that you so kindly cut and pasted, there's I, I didn't cut and paste anything. I did. Oh, there you go. I don't. Speci- I, I cite one that is my favorite for the runner-up, but I'm not right. saying I would not foist that upon you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations to Daniel, and uh, let's uh, let's sat- let's let's forge ahead. This is a beautiful mess, isn't it? This time around, it's awesome. we are all yeah. over. <laughs> Oy vey. We are all over the damn place. <laughs> it's, a, it's a struggle. You know what? I got uh, 
at least physically, in terms of physical copies. The the fourth issue of this came out, but I refused to read it digitally. I read issue three of uh, Murder Falcon. Oh, nice. Oh, did, nice. Did you read it? Y'all caught up on this? or No. Uh, well, I'm not caught up in as much as four came out, but... You did read three, though. And Dap, you read two? Yes. Okay. I'll this, catch up. This book... Um, as far as I'm concerned, this book uh, evidences the lifeblood that is um, in co- the, it's the heartbeat of comics, and I'm stumbling over it because I look at Daniel Warren's artwork and the joy that I can perceive in in every panel that he's just glad to be making comics. Um, not to spoil it for Dap because he read this in the second issue, Johan, the bass player from. Um, Bruticus, thanks to the energy he draws from the heavy, is able to summon a mammoth. And the mammoth's name is Halford. <laughs> that, that alone catapults this book into the stratosphere for me. But there's something that happens in issue three. You have the guitar, you have the bass. What are we missing? Missing missing drums. And um, that is supplied in the third issue. And the the drum kit is, it made me just scream out loud. (laughs) Where do you see it? It's just incredible stuff. Um, You'll be hearing about this book again next week. Okay. No, you won't. Well, yeah, you will. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you will. Gotcha, gotcha. For shizzle. So what else, oh, we, what else did you read? I got something I want to, like, give so much love to. I don't know if we got the time. We got the time. You got some time? I got all the time in the world. All right, I'll try and keep it succinct. Um, there's a creator that um, is is being talked about by other creators as um, one of the next greats. And I think it's someone we haven't really looked at, and maybe because the initial subject matter, I understand that. But um, in any event, uh, her achievements at a ridiculously young age have become so pronounced in recent months that uh, I I don't think she can be ignored for much longer. So I opted not to, I opted to dive in and see what the hubbub was about. And I have to actually credit Jeff Lemire for, um, for this, which is to say that he recently on Twitter was discussing the best things that he's read in comics in a long time. And two of the four things he mentioned were written by this woman. And I thought, well, shit. I mean, Jeff is arguably, maybe inarguably, my favorite writer in comics these days. And uh, so when when one of your favorite writers is given love to four books, two of which are written by the same writer or artist, I have to pay attention. So I am talking about the creator is named Tilly Walden. And uh, Tilly has been on just about every best of list this year 
for a book called called On a Sunbeam, um, which on the cover of On a Sunbeam, no, none other than Brian K. Vaughn says Tilly Walden is the future of comics. Uh, but I haven't read On a Sunbeam yet that I will be reading this weekend because I wanted to start with her first book, which is a 380-page graphic novel that came out in 2017 through first second, uh, and that is called Spinning. Now, if you look at the cover of this book, it is a uh, it is seven girls in uh, figure skating outfits. So you might think, like, Woodrow, why are you reading a book about figure skating? But honestly, uh, as I said, I was so intrigued by the love that Tilly is getting that I wanted to figure, give it a shot. Uh, and it was incredible. Like I said, 380 pages. I read it cover to cover in... I don't know, maybe a two-hour sitting this week. It was I couldn't put it down. Um, so a little bit, a little bit. First of all, this is spinning. Is Tilly was was Tilly's first graphic novel. It is a, a autobiographical story. She wrote and drew it. She wrote and drew it. Um, it turns out that before Tilly was dominating the uh, indie comics world, she was a she spent most of her childhood as a competitive figure skater. And this is essentially a story of her life as a figure skater, as a young girl, uh, and her family life. And she also was um, a closeted lesbian, and she was uprooted in eighth grade from uh, the East Coast. Of She lives in Jersey, Jersey represent. She, her family moved her to Texas, and she had to, re- 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 you know, kind of, that's a pretty big cultural transition. And a tough place to be um, a lesbian back, you know, back decade ago. Um, and it was just so enchanting to see the, the her story in her own eyes, um, the, the way that she makes a world that I literally have no insight into. I mean, I don't know the first thing about figure skating or synch- it, she's both a figure skater and a synchronized skater. Uh, to, to know nothing about that world and to have her draw me into the mechanics of what it's like to get up at 4 a.m., and go to practice, and then go to school, and then go to practice again after school, and to have parents who, even though they were hugely supportive of her expensive and time-consuming endeavor, were different than most parents in that they didn't um, attend her meets or go to her practices. They they enabled her to pursue this, but it wasn't like you know a lot of kids that are in these kind of sports like this or gymnastics or uh, other travel sports. Generally, the parents are almost like helicopter parents. You know, they. They, 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 they pour a lot of their own self-worth into the achievements of their kids. Her parents were totally different. They were almost indifferent to the pursuit, which makes it remarkable that someone at that young of an age would have that kind of um, drive to pursue this. And it goes through her successes and her failures and the insecurities of going from a team that she practiced with for years to a new team in Texas where nobody knows her and a new school. Uh, it goes through her, her first love, which ends in a heartbreaking way because it's Texas and the other girl's mom finds out about the situation and basically makes her cut off all ties to Tilly. And then how Tilly's, um, as she gets older and and starts falling in love with art and the creation of art and music, she starts feeling less and less compelled to pursue skating and the push and pull of, of, of being committed to this life that she's known her whole, her whole existence. But then at the same time, Wondering if it's all worth it, especially when she's fallen in love with art now at this point. 
Uh, and it just flies by and you get this glimpse of her life for roughly eight to 10 years. I'm not sure exactly. They don't put dates on it, but it seems like an eight to 10 year span of her life living in this world. And now we see her um, as her current self. You know, I mean, she wrote this book when she was, well, I imagine she started this book when she was a teenager, but it was published when she was 21 years old. And to put this kind of book out at 21 years old is just jaw dropping. I mean, I was an absolute imbecile at 21 years old. So to have this kind of artistic chops and to be able to convey this kind of story in four, I mean, look, graphic novels are not 400 pages very often. So to, to, to put out a 400 page original graphic novel, um, that's such a personal look at your own life, uh, at 20, 21 years old is absurd. So no surprise, she won the Ignatz Award for it. And she then subsequently put out on a sunbeam, which is literally raking in the awards for best for best book of the year. Now, I haven't read it, so it will not be on my 11 o'clockers because, again, I didn't read it in 2018, but I do plan on reading it this weekend. And she has another book that, that looms, which our good friend Jay Tomio uh, said on Twitter is his most anticipated book of the year. But uh, let me tell you something. She is an absolute – I'm not – I know we're sometimes prone to hyperbole, but this is as powerhouse a debut as has ever happened in comics. I mean, I don't know how many people have put out a work like this at this age. So the fact that she's put out two critically acclaimed multi-hundred-page written-and-drawn graphic novels by the time she's 22 years old is just ridiculous. It's uh, pretty much makes everybody else look like a bunch of slackers. So, yeah, like I said, not a, not a subject matter that maybe uh, you associate with us talking about, but, um, but I, I really do think that although the book certainly does spend a lot of time talking about skating – uh, it's really much more a look into her life and, and the life of what it's like to be uh, any teenager that's gone through major upheaval and has an uncertain family life and is dealing with the feelings of fear and and, uh, and being ostracized and, and, and being misunderstood. And um, I think a lot of us can relate to at least some aspect of that. I mean, uh, adolescence is awkward for just about everybody. You know, 95% of us have some aspect of our adolescence that is tough and uh and uh and insecure and so i tip my cap to her it is it is an astounding achievement and she is certainly at least based on this first book i've read of hers worthy of all of the immense praise that she's receiving throughout the industry cool that's fantastic yeah. i know you two can't wait to read it <laughs> <laughs> i know you put, you're both clamoring to read this one well i i think dap would be much more willing to read this Yes, I don't think this yeah. is of our concentric circles of interest. This is outside of yours. I'm looking at the art right now. It's, I I like the art style, but it's not. I'll, I'll be honest; it's not something I would buy and keep on my shelf. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. and I'm probably going to get slammed because oh, there's no tentacle porn in it, or there's no you know giant boobs, whatever. But it's just this is not in my wheelhouse. No, and that's totally fine. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. But it is definitely in my wheelhouse, and and I, like I said, I, I was aware of her name, especially after um, on a sunbeam. But then when I saw Jeff list four books, and he was like, "These are the best things I've read in years." I'm like, "Oh, I'm like okay." I pray. I've seen this cover before too. Yeah, this was on a ton of of best of lists last year, but I obviously hadn't read it, so I. I didn't, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but in any event, man, 
But regardless of whether this is a real house, Vince, certainly as someone who creates art and sure. struggles with committing the time to create as much art as you would like, to to be able to put something like this out at 21 years old is yeah. pretty ridiculous, right? That's a feat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Admiration. And not only a graphic novel, but a 400 and you know, plus page graphic novel. That's that's a ton of work. And, you know, it it looks really good. But, um, yeah, there you go. Yep, looks there you good. go. Looks that's good. why I'm talking about it, not you, buddy. There you go. <laughs> wow. What a guy. No, I'm saying it's totally fine. You don't have to defend your lack of interest in it. I'm not defending, yeah. I this is why I love when you when you talk about stuff <laughs> because whether you like to admit it or not you are um you are very interested in the emotional states of of other people. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Where mm-hmm. I I am not. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely right. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. Dap, you have anything uh Left untouched? Well, it's been on my list for for ages, and since we already mentioned uh, Dr. Midnight, I figured this would have segued hours ago. Um, Lawrence Block, Eight Million Ways to Die, adapted and illustrated by John K. Snyder III. It's a Matthew Scudder mystery. Um, wow, bookend. You, you're bookending it. There you go. This was, um, there was, um, Lawrence Block had, has written, um, quite a few things. And, uh, this was, um, this was one of them and they actually did turn it into a, um, a movie called eight million ways to die. Although they changed spelling out eight to the number eight, uh, Jeff Bridges and Andy Garcia, uh, were in the movie. Um, block did not think much of the movie. Neither did, uh, critics. Uh, but Scudder is a character he's used over the years. And this is actually, um, if you read Dr. Midnight, you're not getting, there's there's definitely some line work here that that you can see is Snyder, but it is not a a um, his style is is a little bit I want to say um, maybe reined in a little bit more restrained uh, probably mature, but there's it's it definitely works for this particular story and and um, the story is basically about a uh, a former um, police detective who takes the odd job here and there. Um, And there was somebody who hired him. That person uh, ends up dead. And so now it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't, I I never read the original novel. Um, I don't recall seeing the movie. I, I may have, it just probably has, um, been forgotten but i think uh i think the story moved along at, at a pretty good clip i think snyder adapted it um really well there there are some moments that that are um that are meant to kind of uh 
pull at your heart a bit, and I think they do. There, there, there is some some action where it picks up and and the color changes, and and I think that that's one thing that that Snyder does really well is is he's able to um, manipulate your mood with color, and and uh, I, I really. I, again, it was one of those things. I, I saw it. At DC, I saw it on DCBS site when when it was solicited. I saw Snyder's name. Figured I'd give it a shot, and and uh, I, I'm glad I did. I don't know um, if there are more planned. I I, I kind of hope so. But this was uh, it was a it was a nice little hardcover. It's not it's not your traditional size um, hardcover. It's published by IDW. Um, came out. Maybe the around the summer of last year, but yeah, it, it's something that uh, I just keep moving around the room because it's something that I did want to at least mention since I did read it, and and I figured Vince's Doctor Midnight gave me the opportunity to do that. So yeah, if if um everything, I'm trying to just also if I'm going to go out and talk about something I read a while ago, I might as well keep it as as upbeat and positive as we have throughout this entire episode. I, I do not want to bring a clanger in now since we've had such a great time tonight. Nice. Now, is that a new work by Snyder or was it like reprinted from something he did for maybe a foreign publisher or it was done specifically for um, Titan? Uh, IDW. This is um. Oh, IDW. That's printing. right. I'm sorry. Uh, the original story from 1982. That was the Lawrence Block story. It does not look like this was previously published. Nice. That's awesome. I got to get on that. I had it on my list, and I had to to um to trim it for whatever reason. And I know that you and I were kind of we we did mentioned when i saw his name and i brought it up to you i think you may have looked at some preview pages or something because i know that you weren't yeah you, you liked it but there was just something i guess maybe may a little off about it but, yeah, but it whatever didn't, it was it didn't look like the schneider that i know right right there was definitely that it was a little soft yes that that's exactly yeah i would especially after you know you read dr midnighter or, or you look at some grendel stuff but yeah there's definitely um it is it is softer, um, but I think the the and it's not as designy. They're, they're they're more straightforward panels and 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 traditional comic book sequentials than than you would see in some of his. Uh, it's not as art decoy, but but mm-hmm. still still a pretty cool read. Oh, neat. All right, if we have no further business, we can tell them the old. Uh the old standby where they can get their books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. It's really the smart choice. If you want to get more comics for your dollar, that's where you're going to go. Uh, dig on this from Marvel. Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys Marvel history number one yeah. for $1.99. From Dark Horse, Invisible Kingdom by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. Dollar ninety nine and Gleepnir from Kodentia. It is a uh, volume one. No idea how long this thing is running, but uh, twelve ninety nine cover price. Your price seven dollars and fourteen cents. That's forty five percent off. 
in your travels. I would like you to read, and I'm speaking to everybody but Jason, from American Mythology. This is called Zorro, The Legendary Adventures. And (laughs) what they do here is they are reprinting Zorro comics from 1975 and 1976. There are three stories for your three ninety nine, um, and if uh, they're written by Jean Marie Nadeau, uh, Mike Wolfer did the English script, and the art is by Robert Rigaud. If this floats your boat, uh, you can expect to uh, encounter other things of this type in the other two stories. The first story is called Zorro Burns the Boards, and um, there's an uh, an acting troupe that comes through the town. And what they're doing is they're using uh, the arts to comment on a social injustice, namely Governor Matillo. And there's a man on stage dressed like the governor, and he's saying, I'm the governor. Give me your money. Give me all your money. I'm terrible. I'm going to take all your money, and then I'm going to take whatever you have left, and I'm going to take some more. And wouldn't you know it, but the governor... Is is driving by and is is being pulled by in in his uh, carriage, and he's like, "What the fuck? This this <laughs> the, uh, this shall not stand." And he rounds up the acting troupe and he's he's going to have them all arrested, but uh, he gets the bright idea to make a deal with them. He's like, "Okay, this Zorro guy is a major pain in my ass. Here's what you're going to do: you're going to stage another little play, and you're going to make fun of Zorro." And the acting troupe is like, we can't do that because we'll be disgraced. The people love Zorro. They'll hate us. They'll throw vegetables at us. It's not good. And the governor's like, okay, well, then I'll have all your people killed. And so they're like, all right, we'll we'll do this little play for you. Meanwhile, Don Diego, who we all know is the man Zorro, and his assistant uh, Bernardo, who's deaf and mute, they go uh, behind the scenes, and there's this Sergeant Garcia that works for the governor. And um, he's a bumbler. He likes to drink the tequila. He's a little bit overweight, and he's been trying to capture Zorro forever, and never he's never done it. And Don Diego uses this in his favor. And um, Garcia lets slip some information that, you know what, they're going to have this uh, this acting troupe do a play that disgraces Zorro and I want to be there. I want to catch him when he comes. So the the play goes off and Zorro arrives. It all works out in the end. But but that's the kind of, of stuff you'll encounter. Just it it's it's um there are horses and carriages. They're very it, it it's almost um American West type uh, things it's actually it is American West because it's in it's in Los Angeles um, and it's just phenomenal I love these things it's it's Zorro doing what Zorro does and and on his horse shadow or uh, sorry tornado so if you want to uh, maybe read some comics that I don't think anybody has seen on this side of the uh, the the big wall for no these are actually um these are actually Italian. They're Italian comics. I would get this from American Mythology. It's the companion to their their uh, Zorro thing that they're already publishing, the Sacrilege. and the, They're doing a lot of Zorro miniseries because did you know, apparently, 
it's a hundred year anniversary for Zorro. Oh wow. That's insane. Hundred years of the gay blade. Yeah, Zorro's great, man. He has a way with the ladies. But there you know, Don Diego's all proper and prim and he's a real proper lad. He he takes tea, you know, during the day. Herbal tea. Uh but it, it's just fine, fine comics. And it's only three ninety nine, so check it out. Nice. In your travels, um, from Image Comics, um, and by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona, Metal West number two is a fantastic follow-up to to the uh, to the premiere issue where the hero of our story uh, runs away from home. And um, basically gets into a little bit of trouble in the second issue. But we're introduced to um, a few different characters, some of which are shady and um, are up to no good. Um, But I think I'm still fascinated by this world that, that Scotty and... Jorge have have concocted and it um, it just I turned the page and 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 the, even um, even Francois's colors they're they're just it, it's it's a I'm sorry uh, yeah Jean Francois he he just there's just it is a great looking book but it will it, whatever's going on story wise whatever this this journey that um that we were on and you know Abel and and Fox are just they have questions and we're not really getting any answers yet so we're all kind of just going along uh for the ride but but Jeb is actually Jeb is introduced in the second issue he's he's absolutely one of my favorite characters um Jeb's home is a sight. The double page spread is is just glorious. And it, Jeb is just trying to help Abel and and see if he can answer any of the boys' questions, which probably can't, but um Abel has concerns and and he's just trying to make sense of what's going on in his life. So um, Jeb tells Abel and Fox, you know, stay tonight and we'll look at it again with fresh eyes tomorrow and, and, and we'll see what we can do. Um, but Abel really... He's, he's he's not down with that. So um, we end the issue uh, with yet another um, quest journey thing, and and we'll just see where the third issue takes us. But it it's um it, this is one of those books where I read it and I'm I'm glad later that we have comics like this because I just it, this did the whatever rules 
that exist in this world that were still kind of some of them are still unknown to us and and i i like being kept on my toes i don't you know i i may think something might happen or or nothing i'm not reading this and then saying well that doesn't make any sense or i don't believe that that would happen because this is all just completely a um a virgin landscape to me so i just almost like i'm 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 putty and and scotty's and and jorge's hands they're they're just doing fabulous work with this story and i'm definitely along for the ride so if you haven't got two issues so far i'm I'm pretty sure the third's coming out soon but uh get over and check out middle west as soon as you can cosign uh in your travels this creator is i mean i don't know if it's it's i don't know if it's it's bendis to dap but but uh she is she's in the do no wrong camp for me right now nice and that is Kelly Thompson, and I'm talking about Captain Marvel number one. That's what I was waiting for. Uh, written by Kelly, uh, with art by Carmen Carnero, who um, probably not a household name. Actually, she's been working for DC and Marvel fairly consistently for the last few years. I did take a look; like she's drawn, um, she drew a, an arc of um, Detective. She drew an arc of DC Bombshells, uh, Gotham City Garage. Uh, she did a few issues of Wonder Woman. She drew the last three issues of X-Men Red before doing this. But man, oh man, did she dr- She knocked me on my ass. I mean... Yeah, this is some beautiful work. Oh my God. I mean, she is like... She's straight. I mean, this is straight, you know, like epic clean like burn-esque lines it's beautiful uh man i'm just totally floored by the art because uh it's not too often you come across a marvel or dc artist you've, you're not familiar with that this knocks you on your ass like this but but um kudos to her for for just making this book feel just massive and epic like a superhero book should be but uh kelly just has a way with the voices of these characters um you know, Danvers has been through a ton of iterations. I think it's fair to say the most critically acclaimed, at least from the comic community, has been the Kelly Sue run. Um, I I really enjoyed the way she was depicted in the Spider-Woman book from a few years ago. So Kelly had in my heart when basically we get that the, at this book is essentially a, a Marvel team up of of uh, of Jess and and Carol. Um, it does take place immediately after uh, the miniseries just wrapped up, The Life of Captain Marvel, um, where she had basically resigned from Alpha Flight and the Avengers to care for her uh, injured brother for a year, but she's back on Earth. She's, she's no longer in space manning Alpha Flight. She has returned to the Avengers, and it's all just happened. Uh, we see her and, uh, and uh, Spider-Woman laying waste to a awesomely designed um, octopus alien creature that's like a, a kaiju and um, and they're having some great best friend banter while they're beating the shit out of this thing um, and then she has a, a very clever run in with Iron Man who is uh, you know Tony's being the douche that he always is uh, and then she it looks like we're going to have a supporting character of Hazmat which um, I adored from um, from the um, Avengers Initiative book, and then 
after that, um, uh, Dennis Hopeless's Avengers Arena. So I thought she was a great character. We've, I don't think we've seen her since those books. So, so she seems to be set up as a protege or sidekick of Carol. And, uh, we get to see Carol and Rhodey, um, meet up for the first time since Rhodey came back to life. Yes. Cause it's comics. Um, for those that don't remember, they were hot and heavy couple when Rhodey was killed a few years ago. So they rekindled their romance and I just feel like they hit all the right beats. And the thing about Kelly is she's never forgets that superhero comics are supposed to be fun. And so even while they're being badass heroes and saving the day, they have fun doing it. And I love that about her books. And, uh, I mean, she even makes the nuclear man seem daunting in this book, which is not easy. Um, and then the end comes with the total, like, like right, right turn at Albuquerque, which I didn't see coming based on what we got through most of the issue, um, where she's vaulted into an alternate dimension. And, and, uh, nice. so, yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's a great book. It looks great. It, it reads well. Um, it, it's, it's fun. It's funny. I just think it's a terrific first issue. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, Kelly Kelly's just crushing it right now. I mean, I she's got me enjoying a book with Gwenpool and Quentin Quire, which is not easy to do. Um, I just think she is away with these characters. So um, give give Captain Marvel number one a try if it already wasn't on your pull list. Sweet. Nice. All right. This episode, this episode should be subtitled, where Jason talks about books that Vince has no intention of reading. <laughs> <laughs> You have one of those every now and then. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. If you want more of this, you know where to go. Come to our Facebook group, uh, our Twitter uh, pages individually. We do a lot of stuff. And um, while you're at it, why don't you take a peek at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics with the one and the one. Um, it's a lot of fun, and we would love to have you. In the meantime, say goodnight. Ooh. David. Ooh. Good night. My dogs are freaking out over something. Don't mm. know what it is. Oof. Chupacabra. David. Boom. You done it. Ba-dum, ba-dum. You done it, we done it. You guys go out and do it and come back next week because it's a a big deal. It's a big deal. David and and I may kick out an episode on Sunday, but come come back. Okay. No, I'm just saying because you don't usually come on Sundays. We didn't plan anything like, haha, no Jason. But if you want to do a Sunday one, we can do it. Logistically, see if it works. Depends on the time. Right. <laughs> Three in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, people. Go on. Get out of here. Eagles play the Saints at 440, so. Oh. Of course they do. Basketball. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, and we'll be back. Bet on it. Say bye. You heard. <laughs>